Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's Sports Animals time on ESPN Honolulu. Weather today is going to be muggy and cloudy. Uh, We're supposed to have some isolated showers. I'm not sure what happened yesterday, but we're usually about a day late. Welcome to your morning. Our top headlines are following. You heard the announcement yesterday. Uh, The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl opponents have been announced. Remember, the game is on uh, December 24th at T.C. Ching Athletic Complex Christmas Eve. Uh, holiday tradition here in Hawaii. It will be the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders versus San Diego State. San Diego State, a number of uh, players with Hawaii ties going at it. I know who I'm going to be rooting for. Who? San Diego State. I, I was, The biggest surprise of this was that they announced it so early. Whatever happened to the Selection Sunday show where they announced the four teams in the playoffs and all the other bowls are official. I know at times rumors will leak out, but I was surprised that it came out this early and that it is official. I thought San Jose State might have made some sense, but I guess with the San Diego State connection with the Hawaii guys, it makes some sense as well. I don't know how many more tickets they'll sell, but it seems like a pretty good matchup, I guess. So hopefully it'll be a good game as well. You don't sound happy about it. I don't know that much about. Um, I don't. I don't know that much about Middle Tennessee. I know that we played them uh, in football. I can't remember. Did we win? Yeah, we won the bowl game against them. In um, was that Rolo's first year, I believe. Oh, that's right. It was like a high-scoring game. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, kind of. A, I don't. I wonder what a Blue Raider is. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of the Red Raiders, uh, which is, I guess, politically incorrect. But you have the Red Raiders, the Raiders, and now the Blue Raiders. Let's see who they've, uh, let's see, they uh, beat FIU this year. Uh, They beat Charlotte. Wow. Doesn't everybody beat Charlotte? They beat UTEP. Wow, they don't play in a very good, um, they got beat up by Western Kentucky. They uh, lost to Louisiana Tech. They beat up Florida Atlantic. And let's see here. They uh, um, they lost to James Madison. They am I looking at this year's schedule? They got shut out by Army, forty-two to nothing. Wow. The uh, maybe I'm not looking at this year. I, uh, uh, yeah, okay, sorry, that was 2019. Hey, just <laughs> that's a way to start the show. If you were wondering. Yeah, but anyway, uh, they come from Conference USA. And uh, that is uh, who we're going to play. And we're going to be finding out more information. I've requested uh, to see if we can get a couple of the coaches on from the bowl game. So we'll uh, we'll uh, learn more as we move on uh, towards the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. San Diego State, Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Also, um, uh, we're looking at uh, the University of Hawaii basketball team back at the Stan Sheriff Center. 
tomorrow against Texas A&M Commerce. What are we looking forward to, you know, kind of uh, keeping an eye on, some storylines for the University of Hawaii? I think they want to continue with what they've done over the last couple of games, specifically the Friday and Saturday game up at the Cannon Activity Center at BYU. Again, I think on Saturday, their toughest non-conference game of the season with Texas State. It was a really good team, and they really played well from start to finish. I mean, it wasn't a, a perfect game, but I liked the way that when Texas State made those runs late in the game that Hawaii withstood it. Uh, could withstand it, excuse me. And I, I'm hoping they can continue to play a full 40 minutes or close to it. I'd like to see Bernardo da Silva obviously get a little bit more aggressive. But Noel Coleman, a guy who's, I think, done a really good job with his 17-plus points a game. And I was thinking of something yesterday because somebody texted us yesterday, and uh, we got the text too late to ask Derek Lowe about it, who was on with us. But they were talking about Samuta Avea and saying how he hasn't really done anything offensively and maybe he shouldn't start. He's averaging nine and a half points a game. And the even though he didn't... said he shouldn't start? Yes, yes. And they wanted us to ask that question. We'll ask Josh Pacheco, the voice of UH basketball this year. He'll be on with us next hour. But Samuta does a lot of other things. And even though he wasn't scoring field goals on Saturday, he still made eight free throws, uh, eight for eight. He's 16 for 16 this year, and he's made 31 in a row. Now, that's not the reason he should start. But Samuta Vea, even though, again, didn't have his best offensive games over the weekend, still is a really important piece of this team. And he, we know what he's capable of. We know what he did against Yale. We know what he did in the uh, Rainbow Classic to start the season. So I'm, look, I'm looking for guys to continue to improve. Uh, I want to see Justice Jackson and Beyond Riley continue to do what they've done this season and uh, maybe even get a, a more sec sighting because he hasn't played much lately. And I know people keep asking about the seven-footer. But and, there's probably a reason, right? Well, I, I wonder, and I'll probably find you out. Wonder, you wonder I, what? If maybe they plan on redshirting him and they're going to limit the games for him. That's happened with incoming freshmen before. I didn't mm. think so initially. And he did play, I believe, in two of the three games to start the season. But I don't believe he, I don't, he didn't play on Saturday. I don't believe he played on Friday as well and against Yale. Um, I'm not sure if he played much at all, so I'm just wondering about that. And uh, you know, I know again, fans are wondering about the seven-footer, but I think there's some really good storylines with this team. I don't know much about Texas A&M Commerce except they're in a transition uh, phase to join Division One out of uh, Division Two, so probably not a very much uh, experienced team. But you know, we know they're capable, like any other team coming in here. And Hawaii is not the kind of team where you can just show up. And when Mississippi Valley State was not supposed to be a good team, and Hawaii beat them in the end pretty convincingly, but they gave Hawaii a pretty tough test as well. We know that teams are really keen defensively on guys like Noel Coleman, and we have to see how Hawaii responds. Against Yale, it took them a half to respond. Against some of the other teams and against Texas State, it was a real big effort to get that accomplished as well. So a lot of things to look forward to this week. Uh, they'll be on the road against UNLV the following week, who's undefeated right now, by the way. Uh, not a lot of games left, only three more before the Diamond Head. So uh, I'm just hoping to see the, continue, the team continue to improve in a lot of areas. Yeah, I'd like to see Bernardo Da Silva be a little – I'd like to see him make some of those bunnies, but I'd like to see DeVar, DeVar, Bernardo Da Silva actually – play to his size yeah right yeah i mean yeah. especially if you're playing some guy some you know some six eight guy i mean you should be dominating this is not the skinny this is not the squawny bernardo da silva who showed up on campus three or four years ago i mean this is this is a bigger guy this is a guy 
who should be out physicaling people by now. Now, maybe he's just not that type of player, and we're wishing for something else. I'd like to see. I'm seeing more aggressiveness this year in Kamaka Hepa as he gets mm. more confident, but at the same time, he can still play a little soft in my mind. Yeah, you can't really disagree with that. I don't. Uh, and I think he he's shown the aggressiveness, wanting the ball, maybe making some plays instead of just, you know, straight-up jump shots from the three-point land, as they say. But at times, he almost disappears a little bit. I know Derek Lowe brought it up yesterday, too. At the end of the yesterday. game on Saturday night, he was letting up a few easy baskets as well. He's got to get a little bit better or more consistent defensively. All right. Uh, let's see. looks like the uh, um, Jeff Saturday – uh, lost yet a day uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I tell you what, if Kenny Pickett plays like that for the rest of his career, Pittsburgh Steelers fans have a lot to smile about. I mean, this is the number five defense. This is not a scrub defense uh, that the the Steelers were facing yesterday. And you saw Kenny Pickett yesterday and George Pickens. That looks like the future of the franchise. That was uh, it was pretty cool. Maybe a little bit of a non-call at the end of the game. But at the same time, just watching, you know, I wasn't happy about the win because the Steelers don't <laughs> yeah. need to win any games. Yeah. But Kenny Pickett has looked a couple of times now this year like the real deal. They finally got, uh, in the last five to seven years, an early draft pick and a quarterback who looks like he can actually start in this league, unlike Landry Jones, Mason Rudolph, and maybe a couple of others. Well, they didn't get an early draft pick. In the first, I mean, early round draft pick, early round draft pick, first, second round. This you're talking about the Steelers? Yeah, the Steelers always have a first round pick. No, as far as getting a quarterback early in the draft, like a Mason Rudolph, a Landry oh. Jones, and a Kenny Pickett, this one seems like he can actually start. Uh, yeah, I don't know the, the Landry Jones. I think it was a third round draft choice. I mean, they were t- they were they weren't looking to replace Ben Roethlisberger in the in in the past. Um, you know, not what they were trying to do with their first round draft choices. They went in other directions, but um, it was uh, it was it was it wasn't good for the win. It wasn't it wasn't good that they won, but I like how they played. Now Jeff Saturday, uh, actually, uh, um, his clock management came into question, and he lasted two. This is almost three games, almost three games without being questioned on clock management because all new coaches are. It's amazing that a lot of new coaches do go through. Nathaniel Hackett went through this a couple of times early this season with Denver. And you would think that would be something they could easily take care of, get a special coach that's in charge of that, that has watched that. Some teams have hired guys just for that reason. Not Uh, lately, but, okay, they have in the past. I think Herm Edwards actually had somebody in the past. Right. But but Jeff Saturday, he defended it. You know, he didn't think that he – if you didn't see it or know what we're talking about – Towards the end of the game, it seemed they had three timeouts, and it seemed um, after getting a first down or whatever it is with a minute left, it was the perfect time to call a timeout. Call a timeout, get your guys together, and no, I think it was on a third down. Get your guys together, call a play that's going to work. I think it was after second down, whatever it was. Then they run a running play. That doesn't work. And then they try and do something on fourth down, that doesn't work basically game over so it was he was saying he thought he had plenty of time he tried to defend himself but obviously he was in the wrong obviously just a regular fan could look at that and go 
why aren't you calling timeout? You've got three of them. Right, right. So that's that's basic, basic stuff that even somebody like Jeff Saturday, I don't care if you've never coached before, you've got to be smart enough to call timeout at the right time. And that's why I think it's surprising that this has happened just this year a couple of times, and at other times we have seen things like that. Mike McCarthy was guilty of that a couple of years ago in Dallas in a couple of games and tried to defend himself. Uh, and to say that you had the play, the right play call that just wasn't executed, is you know it sounds almost convincing, but still you could have talked it over, you could have set yourself up, and you know the thing is it didn't matter in the end, but it could have. You don't know with a minute left how many how many more seconds you're going to need if you're going to continue that drive. You need a touchdown, not a field goal so yeah it was just something he didn't do right and it does happen to young coaches unfortunately for them and that was a game that looked like it wasn't going to be very uh, had much offense in the first quarter ended up being a little bit better as it turns out but uh yeah two teams that are really going in the wrong direction right now that i bet when they made the schedule up and pick hey monday night in november pittsburgh and indianapolis i don't pittsburgh is going through the rebuilding phase without ben i don't think uh the networks or espn or the nfl thought these teams would be playing so poorly at this point yeah, but it's, you know, the, the, the Colts should have been better than what they were. You're right about Frank Reich, and it just didn't work out offensively. And I don't put that so much on Frank Reich, maybe, as I do on uh, Matt Ryan. You, you saw him look pretty good last week. This week, he looked bad again. It was yeah. like, really? It might be time to hang it up, dude. It, it really, you know, he's, Matty Ice is not walking through that door. Matty Ice has left the building. And um, it's, it's, you know, and they got nobody else. They got Sam Ellinger or Ellinger. But, you know, I guess he didn't prove enough to Jeff Saturday when Jeff Saturday came in. So it was, uh, you know, they did. Jonathan Taylor played well. It was a bright spot if you're, you know, for a fantasy football owner who owns Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor was the only bright spot for those guys. Yeah, he was better. I wonder if Jim Ursay plans on sending Matt Ryan to Washington after the season because they got to get rid of him. No way. No way. Taylor Heineke? Yeah. I'm telling you, the guy just wins football games. I've said it every time he goes in. He just wins football games. And he's one of these guys where they're going to go out and look for a quarterback to replace him. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're going to be having a top ten pick. Uh, maybe even top five if they continue to lose Indianapolis. They're going to have a choice of probably one or two of the studs coming out. No, I'm and, talking about Washington. Oh, you Washington? mentioned Washington. Oh. Washington. I, you, Taylor Heineke, I mean, the guy is fine. Yet you go out and try and get Carson Wentz and all of these. You know You know what? Stay with the guy who brings you wins. Stay with the guy that rallies the fan base. Stay with the guy who the, the folks love in the locker room. Stay with the guy that's a great story. Stay with the guy, most importantly, again, who is winning football games? I think they realize that now. It might have taken them a little while, but they realize that Wentz isn't the answer when healthy, even, and Heideki is that guy. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think they're going to be looking. They shouldn't be looking for a quarterback because we've heard this but they a couple will years be. in a I'm row. I'm telling you, that's the whole point is they will. They're going to do it. They did it to, you know, the Jets did it to Ryan Fitzpatrick when I don't think they should have. Yeah. You know, let's get rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Buffalo did it when they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was fine. Um, by the way, Deshaun Watson is set to come back. Uh, he was uh, on. The, they activated him and cut Joshua Dobbs. More on the NFL coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Now, if you're looking for a place to catch uh, World Cup soccer, you see that thing this morning about all the deaths. Four yes. to four hundred to five hundred workers have died 
trying to build those stadiums and the uh, and the the hotels and things like that over the last number of years. Five hundred people died. And, and Iran threatened their players that they, they would you know you would be tortured or killed if you disrespected the country somehow. Lucky we live America. Oh yes. All right. Anyway, you can catch World Cup soccer and all the politics at Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger today at 9 a.m. It's the USA versus Iran. You can experience the world's best soccer and service with Aloha at the same time at Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge. Well, the Deshaun Watson era is about to start in Cleveland. I don't know what else to say besides that. Here's a guy that hasn't played in over 700 days. It's been it's been almost two years since Deshaun Watson played. Cleveland coming off a win this weekend is pretty good. Now they, uh, you know, I feel bad for guys like Jacoby Prosett. Who all he did is just go out there and play his play his heart out for the Cleveland Browns. All that you know, Joshua Dobbs loses his job as one of the backup quarterbacks, and Desha- and I know that's the nature of the business. But Deshaun Watson, I'm still not sure how I feel about this. All these weeks later, it's kind of uh, funny that he opens up at Houston of all teams and all whatever of all the cities that could have been on the road this week. I don't know if the crowd's going to give him much of a response or not much of a positive response. But I look at it the other way with Jacoby Brissett. If if Deshaun Watson when he signed with Cleveland, if that scenario still stood, he would have started from week 1. So Jacoby Brissett got 11 games to start that he probably wouldn't have otherwise. And yeah. that maybe showcases him a little bit, if anything. So, I mean, I look at it that, you know, not poor Joe, Joe percent. You know, he got to play a lot more than he should have or would have when he first got there. Yeah. I mean, he's played a lot of football as a starting quarterback the last three years in the league. I just feel that it's just that you're, you're being replaced by a criminal. You're being replaced by a guy that doesn't matter, that he's, you know, you're basically just one of the lowest life forms on earth. And that's who, and you got to sit on the side and cheer that guy on. That's, I guess, what I'm getting at. I, I would have loved to have seen the the opposite record. They're four and seven. If they were seven and four, would they have still made the move? Oh yeah, I think they do. I think you have. I mean, if this is the guy, they're paying two hundred thirty million dollars guaranteed. Ownership is going to want him to play. Look what I invested in, and they're really maybe not playing for this year. They're just getting him again. Getting him warmed up for next year. He yeah. hasn't played in two years. And that's why I think if they had a winning record, you how could you how could you bench percent then? I know all the money they invested in all that, but to take a quarterback that is leading, if it was happening like that, to lead them to the playoffs, that would have been a tough decision. But now that they're four and seven, I think it's a much easier call. Nobody can really complain except the fact that Deshaun Watson is not exactly well liked in a lot of places for good reasons. He's not liked, so you know he he has the contract, including Cleveland. Yeah, including no. Cleveland. Yeah. So it would be something if – I want to see how he plays. You know, besides all the other stuff that he's associated with, of course, we know about most of it. Uh, and there's some things that he said – or like he said, she said. But I want to see how he is on the field. Will he be the quarterback that threw for 5,000 yards the last time he played in a full season? Or will he become like Michael Vick after the layoff? I know it's a different situation. Michael Vick was an all-pro uh, bowl player. 
Pro Bowl quarterback before he went to jail. When he came out of jail, it wasn't quite the same. I don't know if it was a layoff or other factor, different team, but I am I am really interested to see how Deshaun Watson played, how good he might be for them. What's how, the difference? To, what's the difference between their layoffs? You were saying there's a little bit different. Well, I mean, Michael Vick went. He went to jail because of the dog fighting thing, of course. I mean, Deshaun Watson went to jail too. Oh, they didn't go to jail. They suspended. It. Excuse me. So that's one of the differences. But they were both off for a long period of time before they right. came back. Right. So they're similar, not different. So the the with um, different reasons. The different reasons why they well, were gone. Oh, okay. But what I'm getting at is is the layoff, and that's what you're you're getting at, I believe, is the the long layoff. Now it's been two years. How long was Michael Vick away from the game? Two years. I believe it was two years. It might have even been longer. It might have been three. Wow. That, maybe we can look that up, Tanner, because there would be a huge difference in, um, you know, if, if he was away for three years in jail. Um, I don't think that was the case. But the fact is, I like your point. If he, they're seven and four, they're in a tie for first place. Do you keep Jacoby Prissett out there? Jeez, um, I don't know. That, that's tough to say. Especially after the win on Sunday. You know Tampa Bay is not great. You still beat a tough Tampa Bay team in overtime. Uh, and I don't know it was a Nick Chubb touchdown that won it, not a Jacoby Brissett pass. But you know what? Technically, they're not eliminated from the playoffs. And I know it's a long shot, but it's not crazy. And I know at 4-7, and seven, it's more you know, it's more understandable for Jacoby Brissett to take a back seat now for Watson. But if they were just a game or two closer, again, it's not the point, so I understand that. But... I, I am interested to see if Deshaun Watson can win a few games. Let's say he goes 0-3, 0-4. They're probably going to keep him no matter what because, like you said, they invested so much, and it's also for next year. Then I would start feeling bad for Jacoby Brissett. If the other guy just is starting because he's well-paid, a highly paid, and that, overpaid. And that happens a lot. Yeah. And that happens yep. a lot. Yep. It wouldn't be right, but I think that's going to be a fun story to watch. Still, I, I agree with a lot of people like you as well. He, he, he doesn't deserve to be playing football. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, at least, and many others, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's that's going to be huge as we get uh, closer to the weekend. But um, really, what we should be talking about is it, I love these. I love you know we've talked a lot because of Tua Tagovailoa about the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets neck and neck going at it. You've got I mean there's six games left. The Bengals and the Ravens. The Ravens lose uh, this past weekend. So you've got the, you know, the Ravens were supposed to be a lot better than 7-4, and four, I thought. Um, but anyway, you've got the, the Bengals and the Ravens going at it. Ravens moving down. Um, the Bengals on a three-game winning streak. Nobody's talking about the Tennessee Titans. They're not sexy enough. Nobody <laughs> ever talks about the Tennessee Titans. Right. But they're a shoe-in uh, in the AFC South. It's 7-4 and four right now. The Philadelphia Eagles the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and now you can mention the Washington Commanders as well in the hunt for the playoffs. They're 7-5, and five, half a game behind the Giants, uh, who have lost two in a row now. The Cowboys are 8-3. and three. The Philadelphia Eagles, you know, they got tripped up a, a few weeks ago, but they've won their last two. That's really an interesting race right there. It's the NFC East. This is what the NFC East used to be 
Right, and you got Washington and the Giants playing this Sunday as well. What an important game for both teams to stay in the playoff fight. I mean, you can still lose and make it, but if, if you, the team that loses is going to have a much tougher road to get near that division top or be in the wild cards. But I think that's going to be the battle that really is going to be interesting down the stretch is to those wild, wild card spots. Because it looks like Minnesota and Philadelphia are going to win their divisions. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The other two visions I know are up for grabs, but there's so many teams in competition for those wild card spots, and that's probably going to come down to the last week or two. It, it's, it's so many teams involved that you have an Atlanta at five and seven, and I think the only way they get in is to win that division. Uh, but in the AFC, you have teams again, even Cleveland, that does have a chance to get in as a wild card, uh, with so many games left. And you know, you get you win two or three in a row, and all of a sudden you're like Cincinnati, as you mentioned, maybe struggling early. Now without Jamar Chase, they're tied for the division lead with Baltimore, as you said. So three yep. week, three weeks can really turn things around, and there's still a lot of football left. And I think the wild card spots are going to be great to watch. Who's in and who's out? All right, we'll get, uh, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the San Francisco 49ers. They're definitely the hottest, if not one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in the NFL. They were 3-4. and four. They're now 7-4. and four. As Seattle loses their last couple of games, the 49ers are popping at 7-4 and four in first place by one game. Mark Adams from 49erswebzone.com joins us next here on ESPN Honolulu. I want to check out our bulletin board real quick. Aloha United Way 211 statewide helpline connects people and resources from utilities and housing support to child care, tax help, and employment. Call 211 or visit auw211.org to learn more. 211 is more than you think. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. I really can't stay Baby, it's cold outside I gotta go away Baby, it's cold outside This evening has been I'm hoping that you dropped so in very nice I'll hold your hands They're just like My ice. mother will start to Beautiful, what's your Another important weekend in the NFL. We were just talking about a couple of teams, specifically the San Francisco 49ers, the team we're going to get into more extensively right now as we are joined on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. He's a writer covering the San Francisco 49ers for the 49erswebzone.com. Back with us, Mark Adams. Mark, great to have you on again. And I want to start talking about the Niners' defense. An amazing stat, the last three games not allowing a single point in the second half. Number one defense in the NFL. How impressive is that? Yeah, they're they're very impressive. I mean, they bend but don't break. Uh, on Sunday, there were several plays that took place uh, inside the red zone, and yet they still close the door each time. That it, It's really impressive what they're doing, and – on Sunday, they may get back Eric Armstead, and and you know, look, he's been noticeably not there, and so I think that if he's there, that could be a, a an even bigger boost for a defense that's already dominating. How do you compare this defense with maybe the last few years? We know what guys like DeForest Buckner were there, and others they were considered one of the best defenses back then. But again, the streak they are on right now, hard to top that. Yeah. I think that, you know, they probably aren't quite as good up front uh, from a pass rush standpoint 
Uh, and so far, nobody's really challenged them on the ground that much. But that 2019 defense was really good at shutting down opposing run games. This team has as well. I don't know that they're, like I said, as good rushing the passer as they were in 2019. But I think the secondary is the best one that they've had since John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been there. Well, they will be tested this week because uh, Miami is going to be playing the San Francisco 49ers, a team Mike McDaniel obviously knows so well. And Jeff Wilson, who was on the Niners up until about three, four weeks ago, is doing a pretty good job with Miami as well. How do the Niners prepare for Mike McDaniel to make sure he doesn't have any advantage with his knowledge of the system they run? Yeah, they they obviously are going to know him well, but he's going to know them well. And so in games like this, sometimes we expect there to be this offensive output that's that's crazy, but a lot of times in games like this where they know each other, it's it's a lower scoring game. So I think that their plan is going to be to keep everything in front of them with uh, Waddle and, and with Tyreek Hill. They're going to want to keep those guys in front of them, not let them get behind them. So they can't have any blown coverages like they've done on on a few occasions this this season so far and if they can control that line of scrimmage and bottle up Jeff Wilson I'm not sure if Raheem Mostert's going to play but if they can bottle those guys up and keep the Dolphins from running the game running the ball which they do well if they can do that then then they have a good chance of slowing them down you can check out Mark Adams on Twitter at 49ers Camelot, Camelot as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I was checking you out on Twitter earlier. You brought up a point from Sunday's game where it was fourth and goal and no Debo Samuel, no Christian McCaffrey on the field. Was Kyle Shanahan asked why not? Yeah, I haven't heard that he that he was asked about that, but I, I found it puzzling, you know, fourth and goal from the one Jimmy Garoppolo is really good at the quarterback sneak. And yet they took McCaffrey and Debo Samuel off the field, which I thought was strange. And then they, they threw the ball, you know, and, and now Garoppolo tried to run the, it was, I, I mean, Shanahan did say that it was a planned run, but he didn't really explain why he went that route but he did say it was a planned run and then Garoppolo or a planned pass and then Garoppolo tried to run it in. But that was kind of puzzling to me. But you know, I, I'm sure he had some kind of reasoning for doing it. I would like to have seen the quarterback sneak or try to see if they could, you know, play action, get Garoppolo in some space, maybe toss the ball out to somebody. But but that was, you know, it turned out to to not really hurt him and, and it put the Dolphins right up there against the goal line. So so that was the positive part of it. But, yeah, I, I didn't understand why they why they went that route. Okay. At least they won, so I guess you don't have to second-guess too much when they win the game the way they did yeah. with that shutout. <laughs> you know, we, we know about Debo Samuel. We know about Brandon Ayuk. You were tweeting about another receiver that I don't know if everybody as familiar with. Juwan uh, Jennings uh, had six catches on Sunday. Talk about what he has meant to this team so far this season. Yeah, Juwan, he really stepped up for the 49ers last season, probably the second half of the season. I think after last season, I went back and found a statistic that I don't remember the percentages, but it was a very high percentage of his catches 
either resulted in a first down or a touchdown. And he's doing the same thing this year where he's just Mr. Reliable on third down. And of course he made the, the touchdown uh, on the, uh, the tipped ball in, in the end zone. But yeah, he's, you know, he's had his issues. He's had some drops. He's had times where uh, he's not as fast as some of the other guys. And, and so sometimes he doesn't uh, get, uh, get open quite as well, but he's got a big body and they, they tend to find him when, uh, when the down really matters. And so uh, he's a great addition. A lot, of, a lot of fans are wanting the 49ers to sign Obel, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., but I just don't know at this point that he would be an upgrade from Jawan Jennings. Yeah, which is amazing to hear that. Hey, Mark, before we let you go, can you give us your evaluation of Jimmy Garoppolo now that it's been more than a few games? A decent game, a pretty good game, I guess, on Sunday. One touchdown pass, no interception, 222 yards. But I want to get your take on him. I think that he's been great this season, especially the last four or five games. Um, he, I think that he's gone four straight without throwing an interception. Uh, so, I, and that may be the longest of his career. But he, you know, he played well on Sunday. He took a beating. I mean, he, in fact, there was one point he took a shot to the knee that that it there was concern that that he might be done for the season. But he got up, he kept playing, and and uh, the test results came back, and and that's all fine. But but yeah, he's he's playing great right now, and I think the one of the biggest parts of that is that Christian McCaffrey has given him an outlet that when he gets in trouble, instead of ha- tossing the ball into coverage like he has a tendency to do, he's able just to toss it right over the line and find McCaffrey. So I think that he's he's added uh, McCaffrey's added that dimension to Garoppolo just as Roger Craig did for Bill Walsh and uh, for Ricky Waters did for Mike Shanahan. So this, is, this has been a, a big get for the 49ers, but Garoppolo's playing great right now. That's encouraging for the Niners and their fans. At 11.05 on Sunday morning, Miami and the Niners are going to be a fantastic game. Uh, two good teams that are headed to the playoffs, obviously. Mark, always great talking the 49ers football team with you. We'll continue to follow you on Twitter and check out the 49ers web zone as well. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Gary. All right, Mark Adams joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Again, the 49ersWebZone.com. Check it out as he joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. Oh, yeah? Who do you know? Oh, I know the guy, the main guy. What's his name? Aaron Kia. (laughs) (laughs) I think he wow. did another business, actually. Aaron. That's what Aaron Kia did after playing for the New York Jets. He started yes. the dealership, and uh, you know, and he has a cute puppy that appears with him on TV and everything. <laughs> Unbelievable! When you say you know a guy, I thought it was a slogan or something. You're just saying <laughs> you know a guy. Unbelievable! Yeah. The things you find out. All right, good morning. Chris Hart and Gary Dickman with you here on ESPN Honolulu, inviting you to call the coach with Timmy Chang. It's the last one of the year, tomorrow, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday from ESPN Honolulu.
say what fun it is to ride in a 50-cent Chevrolet? What's a 50-cent Chevrolet? I like that. I don't know who that is, but I like that. That, That's going to be my new favorite Christmas song. What's your favorite Christmas song? Silent Night, uh, the Stevie Nicks version. I've said it before. I love that song, and I have it on my YouTube favorite. Her version is the best. I don't like her. I don't. I've never liked Stevie Nicks. I don't know why. Tanner, what's your favorite Christmas song? First one that comes to the top of your mind. Wonderful Christmas time. Oh, Paul McCartney. I remember playing that on the radio. I first hated it, and then I think it invaded my brain and <laughs> like and like just broke off some synapses in there and made me <laughs> like it. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, you know what? I, I changed my mind. Here's my favorite Christmas song. Little Drummer Boy. Got to be Joan Jett's version. Joan yeah. Jett version, Little Drummer Boy. Right. Come, they told me. Isn't there one with Bing Crosby and is it Mick Jack? No, uh, not Mick Jagger, but somebody David else. Bowie. Doing David, David Bowie. David Bowie doing yeah, that That's not well. very good. That's not very good. I like Last Christmas. David Bowie's a weirdo. Last Christmas? Yeah. The, By George know, Michael? Yeah. Not, yeah, the Wham song. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> And actually, there's different versions of it. Which Michael Bolton song is your favorite, too, Gary? It's a good Christmas song. (laughs) And we can only like your favorites. Right. No, I'm just saying that it's, you know, it makes sense for somebody who watches Dances with the Stars. Hey, what's going on in The Voice, Gary? I've never watched that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm too busy watching the Hallmark Channel. Oh, no, that's you. No, I don't watch. My wife loves the Hallmark Channel. So uh, um, apparently a lot of people do because the commercial breaks are 13 minutes long. <laughs> and how would you know if your wife watches it and you don't? I don't sit in front of it. But anyway, there's a, um, there's a, earlier today you said this, and uh, you mentioned that Morissette might not be playing a lot because they're going to redshirt him. Craig texted in and said, Set can't redshirt since he already played in one game. The basketball redshirt rules are different from football rules unless they changed it this year. Gary says the redshirt rule is four games played, then you can redshirt. Um, you know, I'm and, and I've been looking while you were talking to the 49ers guy. I've been looking because I was curious, and depending where you look. And you have to look at the date of the, the articles yeah. that you're looking at. But, I mean, it was there was a one-game rule. They were trying to get it changed to four games. That was back in January of this year. Then there's another rule I saw where it's 30% of the games. Right. Now, That's if, football, if football is four games and you play how many games in football? 12, 12 or 13, 12, 13 yeah. regular season games. Um, well, it depends if you're group of five or power five, power five guys are going to play 12. They're going to play and they got their tournament, right? Usually am but I that, doesn't, that doesn't count in the allotment of games though. You're allowed 12 games in a regular season for college f- football. Unless you have the exempt rule, that's no. the Hawaii games are week zero. Okay. So, okay. So 12 games of regular season college football. So that's a third. That's 33% of your games. So shouldn't basketball because of the amount of games get 33% of their games? In other words, if you're going to play 30 games, shouldn't you get 8 to 10 games to redshirt? That's my thought here, is that if you want if you want to make everything uniform, do it to the amount of games. Why have only four games in college basketball? And I don't think it's a bad thing 
to be able to actually watch a player play during your non-conference games, right? So you're watching the guy, and you can decide if he's mature enough to play or if he gets hurt, he can redshirt after, say, nine games, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's only an advantage for the program and the student-athlete if you can have, say, 30 to 33% of your games as a redshirt. Now, here's where it becomes a problem in recruiting in onboarding new players to your team, you might be so full because everyone's, you know, had their red shirts and more. That's the only problem I see with this is incoming freshmen or transfers or um, uh, JUCO transfers. I, I like what you said, and I know it used to be your percent of games, and I believe 30 was the answer, at least until a few years ago, and maybe it has changed. I guess as far as your last comment about if you have red shirt players, will you have too many? There are some coaches that almost – universally or 100% of the time will redshirt a freshman. Now, if you're getting a guy like, you know, a LeBron Like Riley Wallace. Riley Wallace, I think, did did a lot. lot, A lot lot of coaches did it a lot. It's it's a perfect scenario because they can learn, they can get acclimated, (laughs) and they don't use up a year of eligibility. Unless they're that much of an impact player, that is the goal. You want to use that redshirt year in year one. If you're a top 50 player, you're not going to redshirt in college basketball. In fact, you're going to play, you have one year to play one if you're going to Duke and Kentucky and all of these places. Right, right. Right. Zion Williamson was not going to redshirt at Duke. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, why decision. am I here? If yeah. I'm going to redshirt at Duke, I might as well go get paid in the, uh, in the right. G League, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I, so we really, we really don't know the answer. I don't know the answer if it's one game or four games. And I've looked for 15 minutes. I'm looking at this. It's crazy. I will. Um, I'm going to text Iran Ganat maybe in an hour or two and find out if I'm sure, I know he knows the answer and see if we can get a response. Why are you going to text him in an hour or two? Why don't you text him now? I, I'm not sure if he's awake. I don't want to text him too early. <laughs> you don't think a Division One basketball coach <laughs> is awake at 7 a.m. I, I don't the, want the, the, he's not going yeah <laughs> he, he he's not going to his job where he has to wear a name tag he's I'm sure Ron Gadot is uh, text all the coaches somebody will know okay I'll text all right somebody. we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu Here's another one for the playlist. John Cougar Mellencamp, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Come on. Rock it up a bit there, Tanner. Good morning. It's the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Josh Pacheco joins us this hour. Uh, We'll talk more Rainbow Warrior basketball as they return to the Stan Sheriff Center uh, against Texas A&M Commerce tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be good to have them back in the Stan Sharp Center. It's been a while. It seems like the Yale game was over a month ago. And then they'll be on the road against UNLV next week. So just a couple of home games left before the Diamond Head. That'll be St. Francis coming up on December 11th. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this team play good basketball tomorrow and improve on their record of 5-1. and one. Uh, It'll be nice to get keep on getting those wins, even though it's not going to help them with an at-large for the NCAA tournament, the Big West will probably, almost definitely, be a one-bid league again. But it's nice to see this team already showing signs of improvement. And I think one of the things we'll, we'll, we'll talk with Josh about is the team's defense. They are 23rd in the country in points allowed per game. 
And don't tell me, well, look who they play. But, again, this was a mid-major team in a, in a conference that is not highly ranked. And, there's, you know, for them to be 23rd in the country with who they're playing is significant. The last two teams they played, Sac State and Texas State, are the only two teams to get over 60 points against Hawaii. So their defense really deserves a lot of credit as well for what they've done so far. Right on. Uh, let's see here. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl is set. The Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee, formerly Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee coming to town against San Diego State. I like it because you have all the Hawaii kids. Not all the Hawaii kids, but there's a number of Hawaii kids. Kids. Don't call them kids. They're grown men. Student-athletes on San Diego State. And, um, I mean, who doesn't love the Lakalakas, right? right? So you've got the, the, the uh, them coming back. And uh, Middle Tennessee, last time they were here just a couple of years ago, boy, they put up huge offensive numbers. I can't wait for this game. I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, they're 7-5 and five right now in Conference USA in fourth place or finishing in fourth place. But, yeah, the last time it was a really entertaining game. And, yeah, if it wasn't going to be San Jose State, and I didn't really have a preference, but I think San Diego State makes, makes sense. And we know they're a really good team uh, with what they did to Hawaii and other teams this year. So I'm sure they're glad to be coming here. And hopefully the fans can support this game. Because, I mean, if history is an indicator, we know the schools aren't going to be bringing over enough fans to sell it out. But if you want to see an entertaining football game in the afternoon of Christmas Eve. I, I love going to this game, even if Hawaii's not playing. Hey, if Alan Matson's listening, he's a he's an alum of San Diego State. I'm sure, you know, the, the the everybody who works at Castle Resorts and Hotels will be treated to free tickets from Alan Matson. <laughs> I like how you just uh, make sure he, about that. He's that kind of guy. By the way, uh, also three University of Hawaii uh, Wahine volleyball players got Big West Player of the Week honors. Uh, this was announced yesterday afternoon. Amber Igidi got her third overall Offensive Player of the Week award. Kate Lang was the center of the week for the third time. And Kaylin Alexander set a new UH record, receiving her sixth Freshman of the Week award on Monday. What a great job Coach Robin did on and, uh, getting Kate Kaylin Alexander all the way from Georgia. I believe it's Georgia to come play in Honolulu. L-O-V-E, love it. Yeah, I mean, the recruiting's been well. The team has performed really well. It was a slow start for this team early on, even though they had a pretty tough schedule. Yeah, had a pretty tough Texas schedule. Texas A&M tournament. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. This team is, look, I mean, I would say they're peaking right now. And we I mentioned yesterday, uh, Amber Aikidi will be joining us on the show. Uh, we were trying to do it today, but their schedule changed. So it'll be either Wednesday or Thursday we'll have her on. Okay. Hopefully, we're not getting her in between classes where she has to duck into the hall, uh, duck into the stairway. Right. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, she's a, she's she's a great listen to if that's even a thing on the radio. We uh, welcome her back. I'd love to talk to Kaylin Alexander as well and talk about moving from you know I mean you know it's kind of a similar situation Amber had a number of years ago is going moving from Baton Rouge to Honolulu. And I think, you know, because I've only been to New Orleans once. I've only been in the South once. And um, I found so many similarities between Louisiana life and Honolulu life, the families and things like the orientation and things like that. I wonder what it's like if it's the same way from Georgia to here. But anyway, we have got a star in the making in Kaylin Alexander. And you got Kate Lang and Amber Igidi coming back next year. 
everybody is back except for Milana Bird. I mean, and you know, she's a setter, the only player honored on senior night, and she'll be a little bit of a loss. But uh, all the starters are back, so it's going to be even good. It's going to be maybe even better next year. If okay, that's possible. But, hopefully they'll be right. ranked at the beginning of the season. All right, we had uh, something going on. We were trying to figure out, and we couldn't find it out online, if a uh, uh, basketball player in college basketball. Now, Gary says you can play in four games. Is that it, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. So you're that's saying four games. Somebody texted yep. in and said one game. I saw something that said 30% of the game. Maybe I was reading it and saying it should be 30% of the season. But it is, in fact, uh, confirmed by a University of Hawaii official that you can play in one game, and that's it. So um, let's see. Let me. Uh, uh, once you play one, oh, you can't even play in one game. Once you play in one game in college basketball, you cannot redshirt. That's junk. Yeah, I wonder why they. Ch- it was changed. I know it was. That wasn't the case up until a few years ago, at least. But wow, I wonder why they would change that. And how is that fair? When you look at football and what they've done, how is how is one sport able to give you that much of the season to play, and another sport not even anything? Right. That's why it doesn't make sense to me, especially with the amount of games you play in college basketball. Right now, if you get hurt, or you know, or something like that, then you can apply for a medical red shirt. You know, right. if you've played in only a couple of games, a lot of times they'll just grant you a medical red shirt, right? Which is what Juan Munoz and Samuta Vea got last year. They both had medical red shirts, mm. they, and they didn't play in any game. You yeah. know, besides the COVID year that they got, they were able to do that. But that's really surprising. I'm about to find out more why they do that. Zero games, zero minutes. Yeah. It, it's surprising. But, so, so a board set can't red shirt, I guess. But so in this case, were you right or wrong? In this case, were you right or wrong? No comment. <laughs> I'm not going to satisfy you. Yeah, all right. Uh, thank you very much uh, um, uh, to the person at UH. I don't know if he wants to be named. Well, say it. Come on. What? It's not a secret or something that anybody would feel embarrassed about. Oh, no. Uh, I just texted David Matlin. He was probably in between meetings or oh. something. I said, settle the argument on the air. Thank you, uh, Mr. Matlin. Uh, Deion Sanders has confirmed he's been offered the job at Colorado. You know, if college recruiting is more than half the battle, X's and O's for a head coach don't seem to be that important. Hence, Jeff Saturday. I'm just joking. But in college athletics, right, you hear you're all the time about some college coaches, especially in like basketball, they're not the greatest X's and O's guys. But they're the best recruiters, and what, what, what do you what is what does Bobby Kern always say? The Jimmys and Joes and the something and something Jimmys and Joes, X's and O's. It's Jimmys. You'd rather have the Jimmys and Joes over the X's and O's. I totally messed that up. Sorry, it's from a generation gone by. But if Deion Sanders takes the Colorado coaching job. I think he makes a real difference in um, for Colorado football. And the reason being is you know that the guy can recruit. And I'm not just talking about his son. I'm just saying that look what he's done at Jackson State. He's got a little bit of an ego, and he probably rubs people the wrong way in the administration. But he gets the job done as a coach, however he gets it done. And he's getting it done through recruiting. Think of what he can do 
at the Division One level in the Pac-12. That's scary for Lincoln Riley and everybody else. Not saying that Dion, you know, that that, that Colorado's going to start beating up on Oregon and Utah and USC, but they won't be a bottom feeder if Dion Sanders is the coach. I wonder if he takes the job. I look at it a little bit differently, but I realize what you're saying makes sense as well. And he has done a great job. They're 11-0 and at Jackson State this year. A couple of things. One, have you ever heard of a coach confirm that he's gotten an offer from a school? That seems a little weird. Colorado yeah. didn't release it. Dion did it. And no coach usually does that. For I mean, it's for part of the process for different reasons, but nobody's ever really done it like he has announced it. But and, and again, I know he's done a great job at Jackson State. I wonder, and I don't know for sure, but I wonder if he's able to attract the players at Jackson State that aren't good enough for the most part for FBS. Now they got the guy Travis Hunter who turned down Florida State for Jackson State. The defensive back was here for the uh, Poly last year the polynesian yeah. black best defensive back in the country last year in high school but i yeah. wonder if he's if he's getting the the fcs type players and getting the best of the best there but would that translate to fbs especially in the pac-12 in other words if he goes to colorado are they getting players at colorado that usc and oregon were going to get but dion's going to uh, sway them towards colorado that i wonder about if he's going to be able to maintain the edge he has in recruiting at jackson state but if he can get somebody who's the top defensive back to go to in the country, who, who, who he'd be, they'd love to have him at Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. You name the school. It's like Manti Teo. You name you name whatever school you want to go to. That's <laughs> yeah. who this guy was. And if yep. you can get him to go to Jackson State, I'm sure you can get some other people to flip from other Pac-12 schools. And I think he can do it easily. And you know what I also wonder about it, and it was mentioned with um, Jackson State and Dion, is the NIL. And supposedly Travis Hunter was going to get a million dollars. I also think that you see players maybe look, – look at college. You have Drew Timmy of Gonzaga staying in school. You have the Kentucky player Oscar Sheepway or whatever staying in school. What? That wouldn't have happened Oscar three years who? ago. Is it, I, I, Sheepway? I think it's Sheepway. If, wow. if they didn't have NIL, these guys would have gone to the NBA. If they didn't have the NIL, players might go to the NFL a little earlier. But the fact that you can now make much some good think, money. How much do you think Drew Timmy's pulling down? Let's say it's 500000 I don't know if it's around there. I would think that's a decent number. Because uh-huh. he's, be- he's one of the top players in the country last year and this year. And but he's got the mustache, you... the look, and all that. But what I'm getting at, I know he's one of my favorite players in college basketball because I don't follow it, and he stands out to me for some reason. But the... Why would you stay for five hundred thousand when you could make the move and make five million? Oh, well, that's that's a good question. I, I think some players will stay because at least now they're making something significant, as opposed to not making anything but a cost of attendance up until two years ago or a year and a half ago. So I think that's going to keep some players in school a little bit longer. Maybe they just enjoy college life and now they can afford it a lot better. So I, I, I can see that happening a little bit. Hmm. You know, this comes on the news of what you're saying is there's a cat named Olu Fashanu, and I hope I'm – Fashanu looks like – anyway, be the American pronunciation of it, is returning to Penn State. He's a left tackle. He's one of the top guys, uh, top offensive linemen in the country, easily a first-round draft choice. He is returning to Penn State next year. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's 19 years old, but he's returning to Penn State because uh, it's unfinished business. So my question to you, is this another case maybe 
is it unfinished business and you want to win a national championship or is it somebody gave you half a million dollars to stay for another year? I think it's a good move anyway. You're 19 years old. What's the rush? Right. I, I think it could be a little bit of both. Uh, I, I would hope, but I mean, who knows? Each case could be different, but I think the fact that the NILs for the top players are pretty significant, as we've seen, that players might want it. They're not going to be so quick to leave. You know guys that go to college, they, they already know they're one and done before they set foot on a college campus for basketball, let's say. They're one and done because the NBA money is there, and it's one year you have to be out of high school. But if you're getting 500000 maybe a million for the best of the best, like a Zion Williamson, do you maybe stay? And, I, you know, every now and then you'll get a guy that'll stay. Anyway, I have a feeling you'll see a few more. And the guys I mentioned might be an example. of I don't know if that's exactly why they're staying, but I think you'll see players stay a little bit longer in college for both sports, football, and basketball. So the NIL seem pretty significant for some of these cases. And, you know, we don't, for Drew Timmy, I don't know how much, he's gonna, how much he's been making, but I'm sure he's making pretty good money and a lot more than he would have been if it was the rules from two or three years ago. I think he's making – I think he's probably – I wonder if you can look this kind of stuff up um, on the uh, on the interweb. I've looked up before, and I've seen articles and lists of the top ten for football, uh, female athletes, and things like that. So maybe they do have it for college basketball wow. as well. Here's one. It says, Drew Timmy is making as much in NIL as he would – have on a two-way NBA contract. What's a two-way NBA contract? Two-way means they can have your rights for the for the let's say the Brooklyn Nets and the G League team, and your salary automatically is X amount of dollars when you're on the G League, and you can still retain the rights. And I think you're allowed to bring the player up twice during the season. There's a few uh, rules there, but it's basically mm-hmm. two-way means G League and the NBA team. So the, is that? Half a million? I mean, how much is how much money are we talking? For the NBA, it's a couple of million. For the G League, oh, wow. I don't think I don't think it's that way for the G League. It's not half a million for oh. the G League. No. All right. He's also uses NIL to test drive a future career as a broadcaster. <laughs> I guess he's not that interested in making money then. <laughs> <laughs> Seven seventeen with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. I'll tell you what. Let's give away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. If you want to see the Rainbow Warriors back at the Stan Sheriff Center tomorrow night against Texas A&M Commerce, be caller number three at 808-296-1420. Our winner and more coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. And Tanner's going to gather our winner for us, whoever's calling in. Be caller number three, uh, if we don't have one already, at 808-296-1420. If you want to win tickets to Rainbow Warrior Basketball against Texas A&M Commerce, that's tomorrow night at the Stan Sheriff Center. We were talking about, what were we talking about? I can't remember if we were talking about this or on the air. Yeah. See, the discussion doesn't stop. It's like we keep talking, even we're talking, then the commercials are playing, and thank you very much to our sponsors, and we're still talking. Then we come back on the air. And, uh, okay, Craig sent it back. Okay, so the, the, the question was earlier today, um, we were talking about Morissette, the seven-foot center for UH. And um, he played in a game already, so he can't redshirt. And then Gary was saying, no, you can play in four games. And then um, Craig said, no, you're wrong. 
And then uh, David Matlin said, yeah, once you play in a game, you can't redshirt. And then I wrote back to Craig. I said, Craig, you're right. Gary's dumb. And then Craig says, thanks. You and Gary are a lot of fun. But anyway, thank you for listening. So a couple of people um, also say you're dumb with your comments about Drew Timmy. <laughs> okay, so I think what we're talking about is two different things. So Gary said, did you say that um, you said – did you say that Drew Timmy would be like a first round draft choice? No, I wasn't I wasn't talking about where he might be drafted. My point is and was is that college players in football and basketball I think are more apt to stay in school a little bit longer because of the NIL money. And I use Drew Timmy first team all American and Oscar Sheebway of Kentucky first team all American. I think he won the Wooden Award last year if I'm not mistaken. Or one of the players of the year. Those guys never stay in school. Whether he was going to be a first round pick or a second round pick for Timmy which are people are texting in. He could have gone to Europe. But if you're not making NIL money, I don't think he's staying at school. And I think that's good for the sport. And the play, I use an example of, let's say, a half million dollars for Drew Timmy. I don't know what he's getting in NIL. Basketball, probably not as high as football from what we've seen. But the money that you're getting where before you're not getting a half million dollars, as an example, well, I think okay. will keep some people staying in college an extra year. Why do you say basketball not as much as football? Because I think football brings in more money from what we see. Not not so much. Who makes, for... who makes top top dollar in NIL? A lot of women athletes. But a lot of football players. When you see the Tennessee quarterback getting a million dollars before he even right. played a game, Bryce but, Young but, getting nine ninety. Yeah. But if you're near a major market in Seattle, and Gonzaga basketball is everything in the Pacific Northwest. Wouldn't he be making more money than anybody playing football? I don't know. Does Gonzaga even have a football team? No. Not... You hear what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it's a pretty big deal. If you're playing Kentucky basketball, you're going to make more NIL money than anyone in Kentucky football. Same for North Carolina and Duke. So I think that's a little bit uh, another comment that was – that was said irresponsibly oh, no. on the well, air by you. You're the king of that. What I think also, if you're in a prestigious, if you're in a power five. <laughs> that was your comeback? I'm the king of that? I didn't have much time. Uh, if, if you're in a power five conference, let's say like a, a Syracuse, just as an example, mid, middle of the pack in the ACC. Uh, they might have a little bit more money involved than Gonzaga because they're in a mid-major conference. Even though Gonzaga is not a mid-major school on the court and hasn't been for over a decade, I, I wonder if that's part of it. And, again, I don't know about t as much about the basketball NIL, but there is money out there. And, again, you're seeing Jordan Addison. Uh, we know him, the receiver. He was a Bolitnikoff winner receiver last year. For, he was a receiver for USC. No, well, he was a receiver for Pittsburgh last year, and he transferred to USC. Does, I mean, I don't know. There is rumors about his NILs maybe adding up to close to $3 million. Does he stay in school as a Bolitnikoff winner if and, and take a chance of risking an injury unless no. the NIL is significant? No. And that's my no. point. No, he doesn't because as a first-round draft choice in the NFL, well, he'll be picked in the middle to lower part of the first round. Okay. Uh, is, is what we're projecting now. So he'll still make, you know, way more than $3 million. And what would you rather do? Start your – what you're doing is in the NFL, you're working towards your second contract, obviously. We hear that over and over again. The sooner you start, the sooner you get that second contract. Uh, folks, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. Here's one. It says, come on, Gary. 
Timmy wasn't projected to get drafted. Timmy went back two years straight because he wasn't projected to be a first-round pick. Nothing to do with NIL. Oh, I think it has everything to do. And he was projected in the mock draft that I looked at. He was definitely on every draft board second round or very well, late first. Well, he said first, first round. Texas well, said first round. I thought he said, oh, I thought he said not at all. Not going to be drafted no. at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just reading the text. Okay. Uh, here's another one from Sean. Thank you, Sean, for listening. Drew Timmy won't be good in the NBA. He's a big player in the NCAA. He can dominate and get paid. He should stay. Kind of like Luke Garza. Luke Garza, I thought, was a, he definitely was one of the better college players out of Iowa a couple of years ago. Gets drafted by Detroit and hardly plays. And part of the reason we kept hearing that, because I kept asking questions to several guests, is that because he was a senior and he's already reached the ceiling as opposed to a freshman who's got the high, potential still. So I thought Garza would be more of an impact player in the NBA. And again, he hardly plays. Mm-hmm. Pat calling in at 808-296-1420. Pat, you have the floor. Hey, hey Gary, how you doing? Hey, Listen, Patrick. There's a, guy, there's a guy at Penn State named Olu Fashionu. He is the left tackle. He's projected to be the number five draft pick in next year's draft, and he came back to school. He came back to school because Sean Clifford got him a big NIL deal. He's 19 years old. He's not fully developed. And what's more fun than being in college? Really, because you're going to go out and get a full-time job, and it's a really big full-time job when you're in the NFL, especially left tackle. So why not come back for a year, enjoy yourself, build your skills, and make a better player and get a couple million dollars to do so? So I think the NIL is really working in that respect of keeping kids in school, and he gets his degree because he's still he's a third-year sophomore at 19 years old. He started college at 17. <laughs> Everything we Think said 10 that. minutes ago. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, for the call. And he makes a great point, doesn't he? I yeah. mean, that's kind of what we what people are saying is with the with the whole thing about Olu Fashanu staying. And 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 Pat or Patrick, you know, he's a friend of yours, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. Patrick makes a great point is that he's in again, he's 19 years old. You don't need to rush to the NFL. Now, hopefully he stays healthy. And if you, now if you're a left tackle in college football, you're not automatically a left tackle in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, left tackles and right tackles, they're making right tackles are right up there when you're talking about money. I would bet you're, you know, they um, you know, and then a lot of these guys they move into guard, you know, so who knows where he's going to end up. I don't know that much about him just because I'm not a big East Coast sports fan like you are but you know that is pat thank you for the call again i just think guys like jordan addison especially if you're winning an award like that you're going pro uh drew timmy oscar shibway of kentucky you're normally going pro even if you're not a first round pick there's money to be made and it might be in europe for some of these basketball players but you're not making anything in college before the nil yeah, and then that's a good point. But the, the the NILs are guaranteed, so to speak. I mean, I don't know how they exactly work, but I would think they're guaranteed. The second-round draft choice money in the NBA is not guaranteed. Now, Drew Timmy did go to the NBA Combine last year and spoke with teams and got their feedback. They said you're at most a second-round draft choice. That's the reason he went back. Whether it was the NIL or what, um, he went back because he knew the NBA probably is in his future. And that's why he's using, as I said earlier, the, the NIL deal 
to maybe start a career in broadcasting. But there are also players that will go out for the NBA draft, and you and I talk about it every uh, June when the draft takes place. I'm like, why did this guy leave school early, didn't even get drafted today? But by having their name out there and not getting drafted, their name's out there for Europe, and they can get some money there as well. Yeah. That was mentioned about 12 years ago. I wonder if that's the same case, though, If that you know, because things change all the time. I'm wondering if people, you know, there's there's things that players do now that are different than – 2004 when Bobby Curran first brought that up or you first brought that up because I hear it every year but I don't hear it anywhere as that's the case I went out for the draft so that was not 10 years ago I think it was a UH player or a Chaminade player it was a Chaminade player Chris Acker right so this guy Chris Acker when did he play 2010 it was earlier than that he was a UH coach in about 2012 he was early 2000s so he's saying I to get my name out there so that I seem famous I'm going to apply for the draft. It certainly looks like a looks like a a strategy that can't hurt. But how much does that really help? I don't it, know. it did help him because he ended up signing no, no, a contract. Now, in, now, well, oh, now, okay. Now. Well, he, he signed a contract in Europe, and that's what his goal was to get a good deal by having his name out there, and he had right. some exposure in the draft. I, I remember Savo just wanted to play in the NBA. All he needed to play in the NBA was one year, so they could be an NBA player. Make going to Spain to play and making top dollar. That's kind of a prerequisite if you're going to, be, you know, make some big money in Spain. Is hey, if you're a former NBA player, so that's what he wanted to do. I get it. I want my question is though that was a long time ago. In 2023, is that still the case? That I don't know, but we can talk about that later because Josh Pacheco is uh, he's starting to dial in right now. I can see him pick up the phone. He's got a rotary dial, so it's going to take him a little while. Uh, Josh Pacheco joins us on Rainbow Warrior Basketball. That's coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, don't forget, call the coach tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, in the Moanalua Shopping Center. Call the coach with Timmy Chang. John Veneri will be your host. If I can, I'd like to take a moment just to thank our sponsors for making Call the Coach with Timmy Chang possible all year long. And that's uh, and we've got more coming up with Charlie Wade, and we're um, getting in contact with Laura Beeman and Iran Ganat's people too. But um, halfway through, we want to say thank you to Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, HGEA Hawaii Pacific Health, IBEW Local 1186. Whoop whoop! Shout out to Damian, Ruby Tuesday Hawaii, Paxa, and Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. And, uh, of course, uh, ESPN Honolulu. We'll be right back. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun uh, it is to ride in a one-horse John open sleigh. John Pacheco joins us now the snow on ESPN Honolulu. I don't know why Tanner said a guy named John Pacheco is on the line. Uh, Josh Pacheco joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. Hi, Josh. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys? Well, Gary's been wrong about most things this morning, but other than that, the show's going well. Yeah, I've been wrong saying Chris is smart. Chris knows what he's talking about. Those are really bad comments, and I won't make that mistake ever again. But we're glad during, we during have the, during the During the break, Gary said it was rainy at the UH game, and there was no undercover for the fans couldn't get undercover no gary said so there was no uh, undercover to hide under so you're saying it's a tuesday i'm saying it's the english language sometimes a little challenging for gary so 
take that into mind when he's asking you these following uh, questions. I, I learned ahead. from Chris. I'm sure people are loving hearing. Let's talk about something important, Josh, which is UH basketball. <laughs> you were at both games over the weekend uh, at Cannon Activity Center in Laie. What were your thoughts overall about the 2-0 and championship team on, from this weekend? You know, you could tell, uh, and we talked to Noel Coleman Saturday's game, uh, the winning in Texas State, that they wanted that championship game because that Yale game stuck out to them. Uh, this is a team that had not won one of those multi-team events since the 2017 Outrigger Rainbow Classic. They had been short in a couple of games. They, they fell short to Texas State uh, in the 2016 Rainbow Classic uh, when Texas State had won it. Actually, no, they beat Texas State. Texas State still won the event. But they had um, they've fallen short in some of these events. You can call them these tentpole events that have a little extra meaning to them in the non-conference. And you know, falling short to, to Yale, Noel Colton said it was in the back of their minds that they wanted to take home a championship, something they weren't able to do uh, a couple of weeks prior. And uh, that was their best win. Their, their Ken Palm rating, uh, Texas State is the best Ken Palm rating of any team that Hawaii has beaten thus far. So it was kind of important for that matter. But also for this team to know what it takes to win with something on the line, uh, that was that was meaningful for them, and you could see the reaction. Gary, you were there on Saturday. Uh, that team uh, was as energetic around each other and as happy as we've seen them, even thinking back to last year's Big West run going to the semifinals. It showed how together this team was, but also how motivated this team was to walk out of La EA with a uh, Patty Mills North Shore Classic championship. And as you mentioned, uh, also as far as Texas State, they, I mean, not only are they considered a good team, but maybe the best non-conference team Hawaii's played, maybe beside the Diamond Head in a number of years. They were a formidable opponent, and they gave Hawaii all they could handle. I was also impressed with the way Hawaii finished the game. We have seen this team over several seasons, at times, play really well for 35 minutes, but not be able to close out a team. I think they did a good job on Saturday of closing out Texas State. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the one... The only thing that you would put a question mark next to uh, is free throw shooting. Outside yeah. of Samuta, who continues to stay perfect from the free throw line, but you saw Jovan McClanahan miss a couple down the stretch. Bernardo De Silva has uh, found himself right now at a career low free throw percentage at his time at the University of Hawaii, and he's struggled so far this year. But what you're seeing more so is a team that understands how to take care of the basketball, and uh, whether it's it's early game or late game situations. They're figuring out ways to get good shots. Late-game situations, and the Texas State game, I think, really put it to the forefront. Late-game situations are not bothersome for this team. Um, they, they have basically stayed disciplined. They've found ways to get the ball to the rim. Um, I think you look at the last couple of days, you could probably count maybe on one hand how many bad shots Hawaii took in an offensive set. That's pretty good. Uh, a lot of teams find themselves rushing or find themselves pressing. We've seen a lot right. less of that with this team, and that has helped here in, in these late-game situations, especially Saturday's Texas State game. Josh Pacheco joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline. I think also the team's defense this weekend and overall this year has really stood out there. 23rd nationally in points allowed at about 58 and a half, And up until Friday night, 
they didn't let up, they didn't let up 60 points or more in a game. Now both teams scored 60 or more. Sacramento State 61, Texas State 65. But I think they've done a good job. Harold for Texas State was a dynamic guard, underside, but he did a really good job and he had to work for every one of his 23 points. I think McClanahan and Noel Coleman did a really good job against him. And again, the team overall has done a good job defensively. Yeah, go, let's go back to Harold for a second. I mean, this is 23. He hadn't hit a field goal until the last couple of minutes of the first half. Every one of his shots, for the most part, was contested. I mean, he was taking fallaway threes. He had some uh, some tough mid-range jumpers, but he always had a hand in his face. And even when he would get to the rim, even getting to the rim was a challenge. Uh, Jovan McClanahan is improving defensively. Justice Jackson one of the reasons why he's continued to earn playing time as the backup point guard for Hawaii is because defensively he is not showing to be a liability. And I think against Harrell when he was on the floor, that was probably the best defensive work he's done um, you know, in his time on the floor this season. But I think we also remember Hawaii's versatility up front when you think of Samuta Vea and, and Kamaka Hepa and their ability to play uh toward the perimeter defensively is also helpful. I mean, we think a lot about Hawaii's versatility offensively, where HEPA can shoot from the outside and, and Avea you know, can, can go inside and out and so on and so forth. But we kind of forget that that versatility maybe translates even more so on the defensive end and the kind of matchups that Hawaii has. And so far, outside of, of McRae from Sacramento State, Hawaii has mostly played teams where your bigs are not necessarily true bigs, they will bring you out a little right. bit, and you're kind of undersized. And that has helped Hawaii's defense. It hasn't hurt Hawaii's defense to see guys like HEPA playing out. Um, that versatility is useful. I want to get your opinion on Bernardo Da Silva. We were talking about him on the show yesterday, and I, I, I love Bernardo. I think he's a really good player, but I think he could be a little bit better offensively in that he doesn't really finish strong. And there was a play on Saturday where he had a three-and-one break. Justice Jackson has the ball on the right wing. Bernardo's the trailer. They give him the ball, and instead of going up and maybe getting fouled or even dunking, he kind of pulls up a little short and missed a layup. And that was just one play. I know he made the all-tournament team. I know his numbers are pretty good when you look over all with what he's giving this team in uh, 12 and a half points, almost eight rebounds. But how do you see him as far as his aggressiveness when he has the ball down low? You know, I he gets the ball a lot down low. And, and, and in many of the offensive sets, you've seen the ball, you've seen the offense kind of flow through him uh, in the low post. I, I Maybe I've seen it a little bit differently. I see him being a little more calculated, not necessarily whether he's too, he's, he's too physical or not physical enough. Um, you know, he's, he's looking for his opportunities to score. You're seeing him turn in the middle of the paint a lot, uh, go up with, with the one-handed right-hand shot in the paint. But you're also seeing him look, look to pass the ball often. Um, so what you may see as a, a lack of decisiveness in a way is I would turn it around and say that is him kind of surveying the floor at that low post position and looking for players to move around, whether he's got an ability to go up for a shot or he's got an ability to, to turn and kick in the paint. That's one of the things about this Hawaii offense that has really in the last three games excelled. Hawaii's movement off the ball, Hawaii's passing big to big, big to guard, and a lot of that has gone through Bernardo De Silva and where they have kind of pushed the ball in and where it ends up going in an offensive set. So I, I guess I would see it a little bit differently, but I would, I would not uh, – discredit the idea that if Bernardo's got an opportunity to go up strong, he's healthy, he's as confident as he has been 
um, in his Hawaii career. And uh, if he gets that opportunity, he'll, uh, he'll he'll dunk it hard on someone if he gets a chance. Hey, Josh. Hi. How good can this team be? <laughs> you know, um, if they play like this, and, and I, I, I'll go back to the Ken Palm rating because uh, I – Ratings can be deceiving, but ratings can also tell a story. I mean, let's, let's call the ratings what they are. Hawaii's non-conference strength of schedule is in the bottom 10 to 15, uh, according to Ken Palm in the country. Um, but some of, uh, of Hawaii's off- offensive and defensive numbers are, are very good. Uh, but just looking at the discipline of this team, this team can be very good. This team can be a top two, top three team in the Big West Conference. I still believe um, this last weekend in Laie was good for this program. Um, this is two of their better wins uh, against opponents who I think have potential upside, including Texas State. But I still believe that the UNLV game next Wednesday at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson is going to be the first really true test for this program. UNLV is in the uh, others receiving votes category in the top 25 uh, Coach Kruger there has done a fantastic job with that program. They look like they're an NCAA tournament team, and that's going to be the first real opportunity, and, and no disrespect to Yale, um, but that's the first real opportunity to see what is Hawaii made of on the road against a, a potential round of 32, maybe round of 16 NCAA tournament team in, uh, in early December. Awesome. Josh, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. Guys, guys thank you. All right, Josh Pacheco there via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. I was teasing Gary. Let me tell the background because people heard you laughing when I asked that question. And I thought it was a good question. Back in the day, like 20 years ago, we used to ask you know the guests like the same questions. No matter who the guest was, no matter what team they were covering, we would say, how good can this team be? And it got a little stale. Yet we did that for years until my head exploded. And I said, Gary, stop asking people, how good can this team be? I sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> but uh, exactly. but, so, but I think, and you know what? But that's a good question in this case for the University of Hawaii. I think it's a great question because, we, like you, you were talking about earlier, got a couple of good wins here, played Yale real close. Um we don't know how good this team can be yet. Now, the media or the coaches, I can't remember, said number two in the Big West Conference. Are we still on track? Do we look like we're the number two team in the Big West Conference? I would say so for sure. Now, you haven't been tested that much, as Josh said, and UNLV is undefeated. Uh, so next week we'll be, and it's on the road, and it's a technically a neutral court game because it's where the Big West tournament is held, not on Thomas and Mac, not at the Thomas and Mac Center where they play on campus. But that's right. going to be a tough. Touch. I think you got to get tested a few times in non-conference to really not so much know how good you are, but that's part of it. But also to get yourself ready for conference. Well, let's give away Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets right now at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. We'll do it again. Caller number three. Uh, we'll give you uh, two tickets to the game tomorrow night don't gotta pick them up we'll just text them or email them to you so you can uh, win tickets to the game tomorrow night against texas a&m commerce at the stan sheriff center third caller gets the tickets now as you dial in let remind you uh coming up if you're looking for a place maybe you're in the waikiki area and you want to catch some uh, world cup soccer may we invite you to 
Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. It's right there on the corner of, it's Lures and Cujillo, right? Yes, yes, yes. And you can catch at 9 a.m. USA versus Iran. It, uh, you can experience the world's best soccer and service with Aloha at Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge. with you on ESPN Honolulu, and we say congratulations to Dean from Kaneohe. He was the third caller, got himself Rainbow Warrior basketball tickets. And we've got more to give away next hour, so keep listening. I just got an uh, email from our pal Jimmy Shapiro over on the mainland, Gary, and the new odds to win the Super Bowl are out in Las Vegas. Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the Miami Dolphins started in february when they started keeping track of this stuff you know the day the, the week after last week your super bowl right the miami dolphins right. were a 40 to 1 odds favorite to win the super bowl this season they've gone from 40 to 1 to 14 to 1 14 to 1 are not bad odds this much of the season left makes sense i mean when when healthy i mean they haven't missed a beat and, I mean, when I say when healthy, more so with Tua being healthy. I, I, I can't see anybody but Kansas City today that's better than them in the AFC. I don't, I don't Buffalo is not the same team right now. Josh Allen is not an MVP quarterback right now. Tua Tagovailoa is an MVP quarterback right now. So I would pick Kansas City Miami in the AFC championship game now and feel good about um, it if I put money on it. By the way, the Kansas City by the the Kansas City Chiefs uh, are the top favorites, followed by the Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers, and the Dallas Cowboys. All uh, a little above the Miami Dolphins, but hey, you're in the top ten. By the way, the Atlanta Falcons in February were fifty to one odds to win the Super Bowl this season, and now they're two hundred to one odds. Uh, so their odds are kind of going down. Wow. I thought they were better now than they were projected in the offseason. Well, I was kind of uh, surprised. The, the, week hey, after the, the, the week after the Super Bowl is what I'm talking about. Later on, as we started getting into, you know, guys leaving because of free agency or retiring or whatever, it it's a different team in last February than it was coming up in August. Uh, coming up, we've got our top stories, more tickets to give away. And uh, we'll talk more NFL, too. All coming up with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Presents and cards are here. My world is filled with cheer. And you, this Christmas. And as I look around, your eyes are shining. We'll go to the Zephyr Insurance text line momentarily here on ESPN Honolulu. Jamie Eisenberg. Is Jamie, I have a typo on my sheet here. Jamie Eisenberg on the NFL in about 18 minutes? Yes, yes, yes. 
that's coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, top stories in college football, it, it, and really, Hugh Freeze is the new coach of Auburn, so it doesn't matter what type of human being you are. You can still get a coaching job and make uh, $9 million a year or whatever it is and go at, to Auburn. And when he was introduced today, I guess, to the media, somebody in the media asked the athletic director about his hiring, and the AD said, well, the man who hired him won't be able to answer any questions today. He's not here. What? <laughs> what does that mean? In other words, nobody wanted the to president? answer, why did you hire him? I mean, I thought it was the AD who hired him, but I guess the president probably had final say. But that's that's the response you're giving to the media who wants to ask <laughs> about his background. Here's the confidence we have. Here's here's what kind of backbone I have as an athletic director. Why did you hire him? Well, the guy that hired him is not here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, already they're defensive on that. Yeah, look, the guy is, you know, the whole thing with illegal things that he did. It was escort services, if folks uh, don't have a memory about that, and some other things he's been accused of with high school students. In, uh, anyway, um, and it's interesting, he comes from Liberty, yeah. which is founded by Jerry Falwell. I don't, I don't know what's going on in the world. Anyway, <laughs> Hugh Freeze uh, is going to make nine, uh, and he's, but you know what? He's a darn good football coach. Look what he did at Liberty. Made him a, made him a uh, group of five power overnight did the and same thing back at uh, where was he Ole miss Ole miss right beat alabama uh, anyway two years so he's gonna row. be yeah and he, he beat alabama two years in a row he's gonna be the new auburn coach now matt rule who was uh who's turned around temple and what was the other school baylor he was at? baylor baylor and temple now matt rule to me is the opposite of a hugh freeze Matt Rule takes over at Baylor, and they were having that scandal with Art Bryles and the sexual misconduct and things like that. He comes and turns uh, uh, those two schools. He made a winner out of Temple, for crying out loud. Yeah. Now, he's uh, couldn't do it on the NFL level with the Carolina Panthers. He is the new Nebraska Cornhuskers coach. And that's an interesting hire. I think it's a good hire because he's proven he's a very good college coach. And... With him, Nebraska hasn't been good, is this fair to say, since they joined the Big Ten? They have not been good. You're totally right. Totally right. All right. I mean, the last time they were good, they were uh, Tom Osborne was there. Let's face it. But some, somebody mentioned a few weeks ago or a month or so ago on our show that maybe part of the reason Nebraska struggled in the Big Ten, they used to get players not only out of state in Nebraska, but they would get out of Texas and Florida, out of the Big 12 conference that they were. Now that they're in the Big Ten, they're not getting players from Texas and Florida that want to play in the Big Ten. The top players are going to the SEC or the Big 12. And maybe that's why their, their pipeline, so to speak, in recruiting no. is totally different. I don't think the top players are going to the Big 12. If the top players were going to the Big 12, we'd be talking more th th about the Big 12 teams than just TCU. The, well, top, but, the, the top team, the top players in the country are going to places like Michigan, Ohio not State. Not from Texas and Florida, two. though. The Texas and Florida players that Nebraska would be able to get when they were in the Big 12. Are you sure that the, Texas that, players aren't going to Ohio State and Michigan? For the most part, yeah. And that's, I forget which uh, college guy we had on a few weeks ago, but that was an excellent point. Now that you're in the Big mm -hmm. Ten, you're not getting the same players for the same places you used to. Those, but don't coaches have different recruiting, play, recruiting yeah. backgrounds? Because if that's the problem, 
maybe Matt Rule when he was at Baylor, I'm sure he I'm sure he uh, recruited well down there. I think Dave Aranda's doing a good job. They have a little bit of a blip this year. Yeah. But I mean, is he a guy that you hire because he has gotten guys from Texas in the past? Is that one of the reasons? I don't know. We're going to have Dan Wolkin on from USA Today Sports talking college football tomorrow. I'm going to ask him that question because I, I've heard that in the past, and I just wonder if Matt Rule maybe has a little bit more of those connections to help build that program back up. And, and, and kind of a weird story. I didn't think about this until you mentioned it last hour. Deion Sanders has confirmed that he has been offered a job at Colorado. And I think that Colorado, Deion Sanders playing in a uh, coaching in the power five situation would do even a better job of recruiting than he's doing now at Jackson State. I think Deion Sanders can turn a job like Colorado and make Colorado, or as some people say, Colorado, a winner in the Pac-12. But you brought up a point which is actually more interesting is people don't usually tell the media who's offered them jobs. I don't know that Colorado Matt Rule wants didn't Deion. Say- I don't know that Colorado wants Dion to let them know that they offered him a job. Usually it's Colorado will say, hey, these are the guys we're looking at, right? Yeah. Again, Matt Rule didn't tell the media that he was offered by Nebraska. Luke Fickle didn't tell the media he was offered by Wisconsin. Uh, it was kind of unusual in that aspect. And I, I wonder about his recruiting in the Pac-12 as opposed to a uh, Jackson State was where he's now and doing a very good job. I don't know if he's going to out bid so to speak usc and oregon and well ucla and usc won't be there much longer so i guess well i i think i think that he can do that very easily and why don't you redial gary we got a little bit of a delay but i think that he would do that very easily as we just talked about 60 minutes ago is that the if you're out bidding power five schools not even in the pac-12 if you're now outbidding's the wrong word. If you are winning the recruiting wars against Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, all going after that one defensive back. Now it's only I know it's a small sample size. It's only one player. But if you're beating the best teams in the country for recruits, you can beat other players in the Pac-12 for the best recruits. I'd like to and add, say, Chris. Oh, go it's ahead, not Tim. just that one guy. He had also flipped a four-star wide receiver wow. to Jackson State as well. Wow. Thank you for that, Tanner. And you, you see what I'm saying is you got a four-star guy coming there. You're beating out more than Pac-12 guys. You're beating out the best teams in the country. Also, uh, we have, was announced yesterday the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. The opponents have been announced. Middle Tennessee, the Blue Raiders against the Aztecs of San Diego State. I would have loved to have seen Chevin Cordero because now I'm rooting for him again because he's not playing Hawaii because he's a quarterback. We have a lot of Hawaii ties and kids from Hawaii uh, on San Diego State. And um, so we're looking forward to, you know, rooting on those guys. Yeah. But I think it's you see familiar faces in San Diego State and what has been in the past. I don't know how they are now, but I'll find out. Middle Tennessee with a wide-open offense. They were here just a couple of years ago uh, when Coach Rolla was here, and what an offensive put-out that Hawaii Bowl was. Yeah, I think they scored in the 40s and lost, something like that. It was, it was an exciting game to watch, and they've been pretty <laughs> good in Conference USA output, over the years. Output, I meant to say, not put-out. Oh. Put-out, putting-out is something else. 
<laughs> well, it's not meant for this. Not meant for this. Yeah. Well, the baseball is put out, so there you go. <laughs> Did have a sports connection there. Thank you for the save. Uh, let's see. Hey, congratulations to Amber Igedi, Kate Lang, and Kaylin Alexander, uh, all Big West Player of the Week award winners for. I can't remember what Amber's was. I think I believe it was Offensive Player of the Week. I'll okay, so that. Offensive Player of the Week in the Big West, Kate Lang, Defensive Player of the Week. Thank you, Tanner. Offensive Player in the Big West. She's the offensive. She's the best player in the Big West. That was the award she got. Uh, also, Kate Lang got Setter of the Week, and Kaylin Alexander, a record-breaking sixth Freshman of the Week award. So congratulations to the Rainbow Wahine. When are they back in action now? Well, they play Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday, Friday at 2.30. Right. We'll have Tiff Wells on the call uh, against LSU at 2.15 p.m. If they win, they'll get the winner of Stanford and Pepperdine on Saturday. All right. So on your way home, keep it here. Keep it locked on your home for University of Hawaii Sports, ESPN Honolulu. Let's go to the uh, uh, text line. Jamie Eisenberg on the NFL coming up uh, momentarily maybe ask him about the frustration of the denver broncos yeah. <laughs> you see them you see them yelling at each other yeah on the sidelines Wilson. and yeah. this is not about them if they scored 18 points at every game this year i think they'd be seven and four if they scored 18 points 18 points in every game that's how many close games they've lost where they just haven't let up a lot but they're not scoring over 16 wow that's pretty russell hard to wilson do. must be freaking out He's complaining about the offensive line in Seattle, but the offensive line <laughs> looks to be playing well for uh, for uh, Geno Smith. Right. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, let's go to the uh, let's go to the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, and uh, let's see. This one is from Hank. He says, "Mariah Carey song. All I want for Christmas is you. Come on, man. That's a good song." I think we were asking what your favorite Christmas song was. Right. He says it's the highest, listen to this, it's the highest grossing revenue song in the world, was recorded, it was awarded a Guinness World Record on stage. Really? I can't, Hmm. I, I can't stand that song. Probably because everyone loves it so much and it's played over and over and over again. I mean, it's like... She played um, it last week at the Thanksgiving parade. Right. So she what's sang the, it. What's the Christmas song... <laughs> what's the Christmas song by the Carpenters? It Merry wasn't Christmas, a hit. Darling? Merry Christmas, Darling. Was never a big hit on the mainland, but it was a huge hit in Hawaii. Oh. People started ring, uh, ringing the phone off the hook. Way back in the day of Lou Richards and Kamasami Kong. Hey, can play uh, Merry Christmas, darling. Hello, KKUA. Hey, can play Merry <laughs> Christmas, darling. You know, it's it from that day to when you had a hot rock and flame throwing guy with beautiful hair in the mid to actually to the mid nineties named Chris Hart. Hey, Bada, you can play Merry Christmas, darling. Or can dedicate him. I'm glad that's not become part of our rejoin music because I'm going to jump out of my second-story window here. Wait a minute. You had hair. I don't know about beautiful hair. You just had hair. Oh, it was don't beautiful. Get I'll, show, I'll show pictures. <laughs> I'll show pictures. I rivaled the looks of Duran Duran. <laughs> that's probably right. I've seen a few of those. <laughs> uh, oh, Hank writes back, seen Mariah in a teddy singing 
<laughs> this Christmas. Come on, man. All right. That was uh, from last week in the parade, I guess. Teddy, Chris. Teddy. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> Thank you, Hank. Oh, boy. All right. Let's see. 808-296-1420. Somebody is asking how Bobby Curran is doing. We don't really know. He just had surgery last week, but I hear he was doing good, you know, the next day. Yes, we heard that he was even sitting up, which was unexpected. And I'll try to get an update. I did reach out once, but uh, I heard he's doing as well as could be expected. And the big thing was that he finally got the surgery done, which was uh, definitely needed. All right, next texture says, Gary is not stupid. He just acts that way. Thank you for making us laugh. <laughs> as he misspells my name. Well, some I've, I've seen it spelled that way, actually. Okay. At least we're making him laugh, according to the text. Here's one. It says, I graduated from Punahou a year after Chris. So he would have been in the class of 1961. <laughs> he would. <laughs> uh, okay, so he says, I, I graduated from Punahou a year after Chris. Uh, maybe this is Keith Amemia uh, texting in. He says, I, w- <laughs> it's, I wanted to, to, just joking, Keith, I wanted to take my son to the Punahou uh, Kahuku Championship game last Friday. But it was sold out. Do you guys think next year the playoffs can be held at CC Ching Complex instead? I know there would be some issues with restrooms and parking, but I'm sure that people would be willing to pay a little more in ticket prices to cover those costs. I don't think there would be issues with the number of restrooms and parking. Are there? Because they have bathrooms on two of the floors of the TC Ching and the on the cement part, right? Yeah, but it's only and then like they've two got porta potty. They've got porta potties as well. Um, I don't know how much of a problem bathrooms are. Parking, I don't know the expense of parking. I know the parking expense was high for University of Hawaii, but you have to have that when you only have nine thousand seats. You got to pay do something like make twenty five dollars ahead in parking. Although, does the athletic does the uh, athletic department get parking money? I don't think so. I know they tried to a few years ago. I thought it was going to all the upper campus, is what they were saying years ago. Oh. And that was kind of a complaint. Dave Reardon wrote a column about that in Sunday Star Advertiser, talking about why they – same topic. And oh. Chris Chun uh, was indicating that it was just something they tried to work out with UH and the financials would not allow it. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but word to that effect. He wasn't very specific, but it just couldn't work out because you would think it would be the perfect venue. For the size of it alone, especially because the championship game on Friday sold out by early morning, those 4,500 seats at Mililani. Uh Tanner says it's the price of parking. The HHSA has to pay more to do with the head of the department than lower campus. It has more to do with – Tanner, explain yourself. Well, yesterday uh, Josh Pacheco was talking about it on the Sports Animals with Josh Pacheco. Uh, so you could listen to that on demand on ESPNHonolulu.com. A quick mm-hmm. plug there. But, yeah, we were basically saying that it has less to do with lower campus, i.e. Hawaii Athletics, than uh-huh. to do with, I believe it was the whoever's in charge of parking. Because oh, okay. I think Josh was talking about it yesterday for the HHSAA Girls Volleyball Championship. Mm-hmm. The HHSAA had to pay a lot of money for the people that had to park at the it, who had to park at the gotcha. lower campus, so gotcha. that's, that's the main issue. Gotcha. Thank you, Tanner. And also, the, the porta potties oh. would also be an issue because, with the season being over, they I think they got rid of the porta potties, and the company that's in charge of them 
So I wouldn't know necessarily who's in charge of, you know, renting those out, whether it's UH or the HHSAA. Oh, okay. But they're not that expensive to have, you know, get eight porta potties over there. It really isn't. Um, thank you, Tanner. But I wish that they could somehow work together. The, the HHSAA, it's a nonprofit organization that doesn't make a lot of money. And I wish that, and maybe it's the university, maybe it's somebody else, maybe it's somebody at the state. I mean, we went through the whole Save Our Sports program when Keith Amamiya was there years ago. And from what uh, Christopher Chun does to keep those, and Natalie Iwamoto and the rest of the, the, the other, I can't remember the other guy's name, sorry. But, um, you know, it's a very small staff. They do an incredible amount of work, and they do a great job. And I say great job. They don't have a ton of money. They get money from the pay-per-view for the football. So people are wondering why it's on the high school football is on pay-per-view. HHSAA needs the revenue. So they get the money from that. They get money from their sponsorships. For example, the Nissan, I can't remember what New City Nissan sponsored. Um, I know that I think they did softball and something else earlier this year. Right. Anyway, the sports sponsorships, they've got the, um, they've got the, um, uh, pay-per-view they do that one thing and they've got some ticket revenue so i would love to see this open championship played at a bigger venue so that the hhsaa can get more money but if they're taking all of what they make from a bigger venue and giving it to whoever for parking the whole point kind of defeats itself. Now, you yeah. want to have a bigger uh, revenue if there's a lot of people that got, you know, left out because they wanted to go, but it was sold out. If you can't have it at T.C. Ching Complex, Mililani, from what Tanner told me earlier today, uh, uh, seats about 4,500. I think so you mentioned that, right? So 4,500 seats. Is there somewhere on Oahu that sells that has more than 4,500 seats? I've been to Farrington a number of times. I can't tell how many seats something holds by looking at it or looking at an audience and going, oh, there's about 8,000 people here. I, I can't, I'm bad at that. But I wonder if there's a bigger place. I know there is on Maui, but that doesn't help the Oahu fans who are kind of left out. I'm just wondering if something can be done, I guess, for the whether it's the university or whoever to work something out with the HHSAA. And last year it was at Farrington. The championship games were there. Um, yeah, I'm not sure which is bigger. They're probably pretty close to Farrington and Milivani as far as yeah. close enough. And, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. All right, Jamie Eisenberg is standing by, and uh, we're going to talk some more NFL football. That's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Just a reminder, tomorrow, 6 p.m., Ruby Tuesday in the Wanalua Shopping Center, it's Call the Coach with Timmy Chang from ESPN Honolulu. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light from now on. Your trouble. A lot of going on 
in the NFL on and off the field. We're going to get into it now as we are joined here in the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu, via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's a fantasy football and NFL analyst for CBS Sports, cbsports.com. Jamie Eisenberg back with us. And, Jamie, I'm going to start with this. Odell Beckham Jr. supposedly meeting with Dallas, maybe already met with them. The Giants are on the list. I know he got kicked off a plane over the weekend as well in Florida. I don't know if that affects anybody signing him. It wasn't that serious, I guess. But where do you think he'll end up? I mean, it sounds like Dallas makes the most sense. First off, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. I was talking to you. Um, right I, I think Dallas makes the, the most sense um, just from the standpoint of you can see a need there. You know, Michael Gallup's a good complimentary receiver, but, you know, Beckham takes their receiving court to a different level uh, as, as the second guy behind C.D. Lamb. He stretches the field a little bit more, can help Dak. And you see where they're headed right now. You know, so I think Buffalo's certainly be in the mix. You know, Gabe Davis hasn't taken that next step. Um, I think the Giants, you know, could certainly need some help with the receiver position, but I don't know if that's the type of team he wants to go to because it's hard to see them making a significant playoff run. But uh, Dallas, he gets the headlines, he gets the you know the primetime team, and he gets the you know a chance to maybe be on the Super Bowl. Would anybody really expect him to be able to be that much of a contributor this year, coming off that injury and maybe a little bit of rust factor involved as well? I mean, there's all those things you have to take into account. He's 30 years old. He's coming off of an ACL tear. But, you know, I mean, I think we all saw last year when he went to the Rams, a lot of people thought he was done because of how he looked with the Browns. And so, you know, even if he's better than what any team has, so if he's better than Michael Gallup, if he's better than a Gabe Davis, if he's better than, you know, certainly what the Giants have, you know, and, and, and even the Chiefs, you know, with Juju Smith-Schuster not necessarily being the number one guy if he decides to you know, put Kansas City on the list, there, there's a lot of scenarios where he helps the team. He's just not necessarily the old back from the Giants' team. Tampa Bay has been struggling all season long. Tom Brady actually has pretty good numbers, but they lose tough, a tough one to Cleveland the other day. Uh, I mean, I know that division is really weak, but what are the main concerns besides maybe injuries with Tampa Bay for them struggling as much as they have? I, I think it's, it's all points to injuries for me. I mean, you know, once you lost uh, the interior of that offensive line, it was going to be tough for Brady. You know, he's, he's not a mobile quarterback, so he needs to have – you know, the protection that has been so successful for him, and that was a big part of, I think, his allure going to Tampa Bay was all of that, all of those assets they have on the offensive line. So, you know, now you lose Worth for another three to four weeks, the right tackle uh, could be even tougher going for them. You know, Leonard Fournette's dealing with a hip injury, although you could say Rashad White was better, but uh, Russell Gage hasn't been there for them. You know, Julio Jones has been in and out of the lineup. The tight end position hasn't materialized without Rob Gronkowski. So a lot of it, I think, is more so about the injuries and the personnel necessarily and what Brady has looked like. Defense has been okay for the most part. You know, we'll see if they can get healthy and, and make a playoff push because I think they are going to be still in the playoff mix because of how bad that NFC South division is. The Buffalo Bills were one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl before the season started. They're one of the favorites even right now at 8-3. and three. But the last month or so, it seemed like they are struggling. I know Josh Allen, maybe not 100%, but he doesn't seem like an MVP candidate. What are the problems at Buffalo, if any? I think that's another team, you know, injury concerns have been an issue. You know, you look at what their secondary has been, you know, Poyer in and out of the lineup. Uh, they lose Micah Hyde. You know, those are two big pieces of what that defense was supposed to be. Their defensive front, which was supposed to just be a, a, a plethora of guys, you know, they've just lost guys at, at times throughout the season. Now they're dealing with Von Miller being banged up. Matt Milano's missed time. Tremaine Edmonds has missed time. Uh, the offensive line, I don't think, has been as successful, and certainly the run game hasn't necessarily taken a step forward. And I think they thought when they drafted James Cook and even traded for nine lines, they get a little bit better production out of their ground game. So um, they're just pieces that are, are are not necessarily stepping up. But I do think if if Miller comes back, Greg Rousseau is 
you know, a, a, a prime pass rusher for them. They get, you know, the, the production in the secondary, you know, with, with a healthy Jordan Poirier, he's back now. Milano's back now. Hopefully Tremaine Evans is back now. They still have the ability to be the best team in the AFC and probably the best team in the uh, NFL. So whenever you have a guy like Josh Allen, if that elbow's right, he's going to give them a chance to win more times than not. Jamie Eisenberg from CBSSports.com joining us on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM via the Aloha Kia hotline. You mentioned Buffalo and how you know how good they are. What about Miami when you compare the two? Right now, both tied for first. They'll play one more time in Buffalo. Miami's schedule looks a lot tougher down the stretch, but your opinion on Miami and what Tua Tongovailoa has done all season long for them? Tua has been awesome, you know, and, and now the, the, the test – start to come you know so the reason I think you're, you're a little bit worried about Tua and, and Miami is, is Teron Armstead you know and the left tackle being banged up with the pectoral injury because you saw it the minute that he left the game against the Texans and we know the Texans defense and, and team not exactly the thing that scares you the most but uh, he got a little bit beat up in that game and so that was a big problem for him in the early part of his career you know playing behind a bad offensive line um, it, it, it's a luxury to have the receivers that he has and, and the play caller and Mike McDaniels is fantastic you know I think the addition of Jeff Wilson has been fantastic if Miami can weather the storm without Armstead, I think they have the chance to be the best team in the AFC East, not necessarily being better than Buffalo, but from a record standpoint, the fact that they already got them once, you know, as long as they can compete with them again and, and, and hold their own. Uh, but losing the left tackle is going to be a big problem for Miami potentially with uh, how this team operates. Who would be your top three candidates for the MVP as of right now? I mean, I think Mahomes is kind of running away with it at this point, so he'd be number one. Uh, I think you got to give Jalen Hurts just based on the fact that the Eagles' record is so good and he's had a, a phenomenal season at number two. And then I put two at three. You know, I, I think Josh Allen has a chance to get back into that, but let's give Tua some credit. You know, undefeated while he's been on the field. You know, so um, he's been getting the job done. You know, he's uh, you know certainly when you factor in the intangibles of everything that he went through, I think you got to give him some credit for that. It's how he's overcome all those things. You know, so um, I, I think it's going to end up being a, a four-man race. And look, if you want to put a defensive guy in there, Michael Parsons for the Cowboys has been fantastic mm, as well. Right. But I think the the three guys for me would be Mahomes, Hurts, and then I'll put two a third. I wonder, Jamie, if we're seeing kind of the changing of the guard, if we're going to see it, because Aaron Rodgers has the rib injury, went out on Sunday night, and Jordan Love, he's getting a lot of credit for the numbers he put up, but Christian Watson was mainly responsible for the yak and that touchdown. But do you think Green Bay, when they are officially eliminated from the playoffs, maybe makes that move this year to see what they have with Love? Yeah, I, I don't know if necessarily see what they have in love for next year because if Rodgers wants to play based on the contract, it's, it's up to him, and, and my guess is he's going to play. But I do think that if you're concerned about Rodgers with a rib injury, playing with a broken thumb, that if you want to make sure you have the ability to make a run next year, you don't want to have him dealing with anything long-term that can carry over. But he did say, he was on the Pat McAfee show right before you guys had me on, that he's going to play this week. And so, you know, it sounds like he'll be out there. They have a bye next week. You know, So I think depending on how things go, he said after the game on, on Sunday, um, you know, following loss to the Eagles, that if they're mathematically eliminated, he has no problem, I think, having the conversation to shut it down. So they go into their bye next week. If they come out of their bye and they have no chance to make the playoffs, you know, you may see week 15, 16, 17, 18, Jordan Love, which might be fun just to see what he has to offer the NFL and maybe offer the Packers in the future. I remember during the draft uh, last May, I guess, when they drafted Christian Watson, and you know people were maybe a little skeptical of him. He didn't start the season out, I guess, because of the injuries. But, boy, has this guy come out over the last month or so and just done a great job. Six touchdowns already. I think he's only got 22 catches. He had the long touchdown against Philly, which, to me, it was basically all him after the catch that Yak, as I mentioned. What are your impressions of what Christian Watson has done for Green Bay? 
he looks like a star, you know, and, and I think that's the fun part, you know, to see some of these young receivers, and we're starting to see it across the league. You know, Garrett Wilson's had some nice performances. Chris Olave's been great. Uh, you know, hopefully we get some Traylon Burks numbers, you know, uh, over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, in terms of what the Packers need, they need a field stretcher. They need a guy that's a dynamic playmaker. They need somebody that has the ability to, uh, you know, take a five-yard reception and turn it into a 50-yard play, you know, because Rodgers isn't necessarily going to challenge down the field to the same level that he has been because he's getting older. So, um, he said, you know, and I, I think that's a big part of probably what he's going to look at, that he said this receiving core and how they perform will determine what his decision is for next year and beyond. And so he's got to be pretty excited about what Christian Watson looks like. You know, Romeo Dobbs has some good moments earlier this season. Um, with Lazard still being there, you know, they have the look of a, of a decent receiving core by comparison to where they were early in the season when it looked like an absolute disaster. Watson's been so much fun to watch. Jamie, always great talking with you fun about the watch. NFL or fantasy football. We'll have you on that show coming up soon as well. You can check out Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, thanks again for your time. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. All right, right. thank you so much. Again, Jamie Eisenberg from CBSSports.com joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline at Aloha Kia. Yeah, you know it, and you know a guy. Uh, No ad-libbing. No ad-libbing. You know it. You know a guy. You know, you think that if they wanted you to say, (laughs) you know it, you know a guy, that would be their slogan. But their slogan is, at Aloha Kia, you know a guy. You messed the back, whole thing up. But back in the day, Chris Hart, my guy, told me to mix it up a little bit on yeah, some of these. not during somebody's slogan. Ah, should have been more clear on that. Yeah, I uh, didn't think I had to be. I didn't think I was talking <laughs> to a fourth grader. <laughs> Christian Watson, you were talking about Christian Watson. And you Man. Said, uh, there was a lot of, um, I mean, he started out with just all these drop passes. I mean, he was a frustrating guy. But he was hurt at the beginning of the season. I don't think he played in the first few games. Right, but he dropped a lot of passes before okay. two weeks ago. Uh, him really come out and, um, you know, um, kind of uh, took off in the last two games. He was considered a – he was the seventh receiver picked overall. And a lot of people maybe thought that was kind of high. Because he came out of, like, what is it, North Dakota State? North Dakota State University. So maybe they thought, okay, FCS guy, you picked him that high? Because I think he was, like, the second or third player picked in the second round. It was pretty high. But, boy, it looks like he's going to really turn out. Because think of the confidence he plays with now. Yeah, I mean, that that touchdown from Jordan Love, and people are giving Jordan Love credit. Nice throw across the middle, but the way Christian Watson used his speed to get on the outside and run that in for a touchdown 60-plus yards, and that's just one of the touchdowns that he's made a great catch in. The Dallas game, I think he had two or three touchdowns a couple of weeks ago in that overtime win. This guy's been – I mean, I know he's not Devontae Adams. It's not fair to compare him. He's a different type of player. But early on in his career, he's putting up some great numbers, and he's going to be one of those receivers that's going to be really tough to defend the way it looks yeah the uh hey uh, a little shout out to the folks headed down to rivals sports bar and lounge in the waikiki malia by outrigger because uh they're about to uh what do you do in soccer kickoff they're about to start the game let's say uh yeah, because today it, i'm sorry i was gonna say it's a must win for the usa team they need to win this game to go to the next round Right, so what we're talking about is uh, that World Cup soccer viewing is going on uh, right now at Rival Sports Bar and Lounge. At 9 a.m., the USA takes on Iran, and uh, you can experience great soccer and great service at Rival Sports Bar and Lounge.
It sounds like this song is being played over the telephone. Hey, I hope you're having a great Tuesday. It's the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, once again, uh, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, the matchup was announced yesterday. San Diego State will be taking on the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee. If you want to get your tickets, hey, first come, first serve, baby. Get good seats. Go to, uh, well, you can go to thehawaiibowl.com for details. E-Ticket Hawaii, the usual place, is where you get your tickets. Now, we mentioned earlier how the playoff rankings will come out this afternoon for the final week uh, before the final poll comes out. That's Sunday morning. So championship Saturday is this Saturday. All the conference championships are taking place. And then Sunday morning, I know usually it's between 7 at 8 a.m. they'll have that before the NFL games start. And I think no matter what they say today, there's still going to be some suspense for Sunday, which I like. It's not clear cut. And even after the games are played this weekend, I think we're still going to have some questions. Again, if if everybody wins, which can happen, because a team like LSU will play Georgia. I guess that's the only matchup with top five teams. But there could be one or more teams losing that are in the top four, top five. And then you have to wonder who's going to move up. I think today will be a little bit of an indicator there. I do expect it to be somewhat similar, if not exactly like the AP poll, where USC is fifth. And maybe they can get in. They'd have to beat Utah, of course, this uh, Friday in the Pac-12 championship. And we'll have that broadcast on one of our stations. Uh, but there's still so much to be determined. These games are going to be incredible. And they just have so much more important because, again, it's not clear cut. You don't know even who's I – mean, Georgia can stay in the top four and lose. I don't think they will, but I wouldn't put it past LSU to beat them. I think it's possible. But they'll stay in, but I don't think they'll be number one. But there's still going to be several changes between now and Sunday. Okay, so number one, just to refresh people's memory, Georgia, the number one team is Georgia. Number two, Michigan. Number three, TCU. Number four, USC. Now, USC is number four with an 11-1 and record. Ohio State is number five with an 11-1 and record. Um, who's playing in the Big Ten Championship? Purdue and Michigan. Purdue? Yeah. So there's no way that Ohio State can move up unless all these teams all of a sudden lose. Well, no, I, well, I know what you mean. That's the question, I think. Let's say just like USC loses or TCU. Even just one of those three or four-seeded teams or ranked teams lose, then does Ohio State go ahead of them, even though they're not in the Big Ten championship game? Right. Okay. And See, and that's where you, as the committee, you got to look and say, let's forget all of this. You know, Ohio State, they lost two weeks ago. And they just have to look at this and go, is Ohio State a better football team than USC? Is Ohio State a better football team than TCU? Right now, you should be asking yourself, TCU is undefeated, yeah. But is Ohio State and TCU played Ohio State? Wouldn't Ohio State blow them out? Not necessarily blow them out, but is Ohio State a better football team? And I think you have to say, yes, Ohio State is a better football team than TCU. But I don't think that's what you would judge it by, although that's true, what you said. I think when you, you don't look at it if they were played head-to-head, who's better. I think it's also who's most deserving. And mm. TCU being in a conference championship game, I think, is more deserving. Although it's not really fair because Ohio State and Michigan obviously both can't be in a conference right. championship game. Yet they're two of the top four teams in the country last year and this year. Uh, you can't TCU, argue that. 
TCU didn't have to play Michigan. Ohio State did. So that's why. We look at TCU and, oh, look at those great wins over Colorado. Tarleton State. Uh, An off-year Oklahoma football team. SMU. Kansas. They barely beat Oklahoma State. Kansas State is actually, that was a big win for them. Yeah. They beat Texas. That was a good win. Uh, Texas Tech. Yeah. They barely pulled out one over Baylor. You know, they don't they don't have a great resume of wins here. But does Michigan, besides Ohio State, and boy, is that a big one. I mean, UConn, Colorado State, and Hawaii out of conference. Iowa in conference. Some of those, they beat Penn mm-hmm. State. Penn State's a big win for them as well. You, you forgot to mention Rutgers. Yeah, yeah, uh, and maybe Maryland. Is, you know, I think they beat Maryland, I believe. But they, they don't have a lot of impressive wins. But the Ohio State one stands above anything that TCU has done right there. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. break it down for best win, Michigan has a better win. And Ohio State probably has better wins than TCU as well, even if they're not in the championship. That's where I think the dilemma comes in. And, you know, who are you going to put in there if you're the committee, if it comes down to that? What is the most important criteria as far as being in? I mean, is it the best team or the most deserving team? strength of schedule comes into play. Margin of victory comes into play now. And I think the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State that badly doesn't bode well for Ohio State as if they lost a a one-score game to Michigan or a one-point game. They were really out of it. All right, coming up, uh, we got called, remember, got called a coach tomorrow at uh, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, and we'll be back to wrap it up on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up tonight, the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show at 6 o'clock with Darren Kimura. And and Darren's got, he'll be giving away a quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> and uh, he's got a trivia question for that. Darren, come in, please. Good morning, animals. Hi. So Good morning. Two uni- who are the two University of Hawaii NFL draftees that have been selected to a Pro Bowl? You're asking us? You want us to answer yeah. this now, or are you teasing your question for tonight for the quarter of a well, billion dollars? Both. Well, well, see if you if you get them both, then it's got to be a half a million, right? Because, <laughs> you know, okay, so okay, both. so so this is the this is your trivia question. You're going to ask this on your show tonight at six o'clock, and what's yep. the prize? What are you giving away? We're giving away a 2020 Prism uh, football hanger. And uh, that's, of course, the rookie year for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, uh, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow. So, so it's, it's, you know, Justin Herbert. It's a really loaded class, and it's a, a really cool product to open. So figured I'd make it an interesting Hawaii football question. Okay, so the question again is, as uh, text, the, yeah. text it in to us if you know the answer so I, I don't can want. feel smart. Okay, so the question, Darren, is? Name the two University of Hawaii Warrior football draftees, NFL draftees, that were named to a Pro Bowl. Oh, I'm going to guess Golden Richards was named to a Pro Bowl. But you said Warriors. Is that kind of a hint or a trick question that it wasn't a rainbow? No, 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 Hawaii Warriors. Uh, okay, basically Hawaii, Hawaii football Rainbow Warriors, players. yeah. So okay. it, it basically Hawaii football player. Okay, but the, but the tricky sure. part is it cannot be a free agent signee. It has to be someone who was – Drafted in the NFL draft. Okay, I know one of them easy. Well, I, one of them is Jesse Sapolu. 
But he was drafted. Yeah, he was drafted. Yep, I thought Golden Rich- I thought Golden Richards would have been the other. No, it's actually even more obvious than that. Ooh. Second round draft pick. But then he won a Super Bowl. Iowa. What? Oh, Kirk Ovea? No? No, he didn't go to no, Hawaii. Big, a, a big kick. Jason Elam. Oh, Jason Elam. Not yep. Golden Richards never went to a Pro Bowl? No. Wow. Well, there you go. So we win. the answers tonight at 6 o'clock. No Jason Elam and Jesse Sapolu, and you can win uh, that prize again from Darren, which is? 2020 Prism Hanger um, from, uh, and, and the, of course, the large Papa John's pizza. And a lot okay. of cash. All right. I was making oh, like and, I knew what Essentially a half a million dollars, uh, <laughs> you know, you get both right. I was making, me and Gary were just acting like we knew what a, a, a Prism Hanger is. <laughs> but we'll just go <laughs> along it, with that. Like like I said, that that particular class has the rookies, you know, for both, you know, how, Joe Burrow. How, how much you know, can all, I sell this thing for? How much can I sell this thing for? Yeah, well, right now that that box is running anywhere from you know eighty to a hundred bucks, so it's huh? a decent sized price. Yeah. So it's a box of cards. Yep. Very cool. How was the? Did you go to that Super Saturday thing at the convention center this past uh, Saturday? Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to stop by. There are a lot of actually events going on that weekend, ah. um, but I but I did hear it's very well attended. It's oh good. It's one of those things that you know there were, there's quite a lot of people that were coming through the door. So hopefully, a lot of the vendors did well, and I know that there were a lot of cool things in terms of you know unique items like the custom Hot Wheels and everything guy that was there too. So and and Beckett was there doing grading and autograph authentication. So yeah, it, it was yeah. a really neat event. Yeah. Right on. Well, you have a good time. We'll hear you on the radio tonight, uh, the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show with Darren Kimura. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, Darren. And once again, the answers to his trivia question, Jason Elam and Jesse Sapolu. You can thank us later. Yes. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's talk sports at 12 noon. Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 on ESPN Honolulu.